106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Eric Trump, the son of President Donald Trump, was spit on in a cocktail bar in Chicago this week by a liberal bartender. Remember that time liberals decried this kind of political violence? Oh no, wait. Liberals didn't decry this violence. Liberals claimed Eric Trump deserved it because he is the son of President Donald Trump. Remember that time Republican Congressman Matt Gates got a milkshake thrown on him because he's a Republican? And remember when liberals decried that political violence? Oh no, wait. Liberals didn't decry that violence. Liberals laughed at this violence and actually mocked Gates for saying it was violence. Remember that time Republican Senator Ted Cruz was heckled so badly he was forced out of a restaurant where he was eating dinner with his wife? Remember when liberals decried that harassment and that threat of violence? Oh no, wait. Liberals didn't decry that violence. They said it's what Cruz deserves. Remember that time conservative commentator Tucker Carlson was the target of a radical leftist rage mob who staked out his house and broke his front door and scared his wife so badly she was forced to hide in the pantry? Remember when liberals decried this violence? Oh no, wait. Liberals didn't decry this. They made fun of Tucker's wife for hiding in the pantry. Remember that time conservative podcast host Michael Knowles was speaking to college students when a liberal attacked him with an unknown substance that looked like bleach? Remember when liberals condemned this kind of attack and political violence? Oh no, wait. Liberals didn't decry this violence. They mocked Knowles for being scared of soapy water. The thing is, when liberals attack conservatives, that's a-okay with the left. But when conservatives so much as speak, liberals claim that speech is violence. Case in point, in the past two weeks, YouTube has demonetized conservative comedian Steven Crowder for a mean joke because they say that's hate speech and hate speech is violence. Pinterest banned pro-life organization Live Action for encouraging women to choose life because Pinterest says that speech is, quote, dangerous to the Pinterest community. And Vimeo banned Project Veritas yesterday for exposing Google's bias because they say that speech is, quote, defamatory and therefore dangerous. When a conservative speaks, the left tells you it's dangerous and uses that reason as justification to shut conservatives up. But when liberals actually physically attack conservatives like Eric Trump in that bar in Chicago. The left is cool with that. Are you? And that's my final point. listening to Lou Benninger and this is No Hostages Radio and we are uh, this show will be up on July 6th but I'm actually doing it on July 4th in the evening after having a great day uh, partying with a bunch of people in recovery and several actually a few hundred people it seemed like kids little kids doing on zip lines playing out in the water uh, goofing off, having a good time eating all the snow cones, hot dogs, the whole works. 
And um, so I thought I'd save it till after and get inspired by all these people that are changing their lives. And government wasn't involved. Government wasn't funding it. Government doesn't know what to do with these people. But the fact is, uh, they were having a good time and they were figuring out how to straighten out their life. And they didn't need some government to come in and, and do it for them. So um, welcome. This is our 14th episode. This will be uh, labeled July 6th, episode 14. But I'm actually doing it on the evening. If you hear some booms, uh, I think I'll have this done before they start shooting off fireworks behind me and around me in the city of Marysville, Northern California. But uh, that won't bother you. It'll just add to the realistic uh, presentation, I guess. So I'm thankful today. Uh, It wasn't too long ago that I I left... uh, the regular radio and a, and a guy named Tanner Martis helped me set up this podcast. And he was a guy that was doing tech technology work for a group called tread that travels uh, all over the world. Most of the time they're in another part of the world in the United States and you do stomp dance, drumming and preaching about Jesus to all kinds of people, Muslims, uh, atheists, all kinds of people. And right now they're, they're touring Europe and Tanner was their techie guy for a couple of years, and he and his wife just had a baby. And they're, in fact, he may still be on the road going back to their home state of Texas. So um, we wish them well, and he's going to continue, thankfully, helping me with this podcast. And But he's set up all the equipment and been a great help, and I appreciate him very much. So uh, I hope that they do well in Texas. In fact, a lot of my friends are moving, young friends, uh, millennium and a little older. They're moving to Idaho, some Montana, Texas, all kinds of places because uh, they they have more opportunity there and they uh, don't like living under socialism, which is what we're living under here in California. So uh, wish that Marta's family well, their family, uh, their parents are down there. But we'll miss them up here because they did a lot of technological uh, improvements over there at Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. So uh, if you're listening for the first time, we'll be on here for a couple of hours, two and a half, maybe hours. We dialed it back from, we started about, we were running over three hours. Now we're dialing it back, tightening it up a little bit. Hopefully making it a little more entertaining and educational at the same time. So here we go. Uh, I wanted to, uh, I I saw this tremendous quote by a guy that I have great admiration for. And um, his name is Ben Carson. Ben, I uh, saw a movie made about him. I read a book about him. And I think if I had a child that needed brain surgery, I would want Ben to work on him. I've always, uh, I, I never thought I'd have many surgeries. I thought, oh, when I grew up, my parents kind of had a lot of surgeries. I thought, man, what's happened to my parents? They're like falling apart. Then I started to fall apart. I said, what in the world? So I started to have these problems. My body, I needed to repair parts and there were all kinds of stuff, put in new parts and uh, so it was the beauty of it, although it was sometimes gnarly to go through, was I got to meet some really incredible, bright, 
medical professionals, surgeons and, and such, neurosurgeons, orthopedic surgeons, and, um, and, and really got into the midst of the big uh, thing that is so often attacked, particularly by liberals, um, called uh, you know, our, our, medical, our medical professionals. And I've had such good success and good experiences with them and have nothing but good about the surgeons I've had. So when I think about Ben Carson and the wonderful things, I mean, when you start getting into a baby or a child, small, small child's brain and start fiddling with it you think oh are they ever going to be the same and ben carson went from a struggling troubled uh, adolescent uh, living in uh, poor areas i think it was a detroit maybe and to one the the prestigious surgeon neurosurgeon who did some of the most first time surgeries in history on the brain of separating children that were co-joined together so when I read this, I thought, man, that's, that's an, a powerful thing to say. But let me read it to you and see what you think. Ben Carson, he's now, you know, remember he ran for president? And, uh, man, he just pissed off the, the Democrats. And it's, it was amazing the people that just lambasted him as stupid and ignorant and slow. Are you kidding me? And then you got to turn around and ask him to to do a, a surgery on your child or something? He says, for some people on the other side, he means the liberals, the only thing worse than Satan is a black conservative. Blacks are supposed to think a certain way. If you do not think that way, you are an Uncle Tom. To me, know what that sounds like? Racism. It sounds like racism to me. When you tell people they have to think a certain way, that's Ku Klux Klan. But, you know, the, the Democrats started that. The Democrats are the ones, the liberals in this country, who have been the racists from the beginning, and they have somehow got the black, a lot of the black people to buy into it. So Ben says, for some people on the other side, the only thing worse than Satan is a black conservative. Blacks are supposed to think a certain way. Isn't that amazing? I notice this troubles me. I have rarely in my life heard a white person refer to that just use this phrase, my people. If they, if most white, when my friends say our people, or our, they never say my people, but they say our people, O-U-R people, they mean Americans. But it's fascinating to me that black people and even some Hispanic people, when they say our people, they refer to an ethnic group. That's a problem to me because that, that means they're racist. They never have settled in to what this country is all about, being an American and leaving all that other stuff behind. My, my parents, uh, my dad's parents, uh, forefathers, came from Germany. And uh, they never, in, I never heard one time in my life them referring to the old country or wanting to go back to the old country or our people like Germans, Right. It's crazy. It is is just crazy, and I I like some of these black speakers that I listen to that just said, "Hey, I am not a black American. I am an American. Let's leave it at that. Just call me an American. Quit all that other stuff." So uh, the other quote that I I love this week, and it's not by an American. It's by the president of El Salvador. Now I had never met a person from El Salvador. Until I uh, 
began going into the Yuba County Jail. Yuba County is one of the 58 counties in California. It's in northern California, north of Sacramento. It's one of the less populated uh, counties of California and one of the poorer counties. We have we kind of have a gnarly high unemployment rate compared to the rest of California. We're agriculture up here mainly. Used to be we did timber and and mining, but but liberals shut all that down. And um, so we're up here. And um, years ago, the when they expanded the jail, the the sheriff Gary Tyndall was a wise man. He thought, you know something, if we're going to expand this jail, I'm going to make it big enough, and I'm going to house federal prisoners. And make some money for the county because the county was always short of money. So lo and behold, since the early 90s, we've made millions and millions a year. Like right now, they're making like six million or so a year gross receipts of housing federal uh, prisoners. They, they're not serving time for a crime. They've already served it somewhere. But they're people from other countries that don't have the right to be here because of their crime. They aren't citizens of the United States. But some of them had the right to be here under some kind of... Uh, permit or or visa, right? Some just broke into the country and and plundered it. So I've met some El Salvadorans, I've met Nicaraguans, I've met Africans, people from Ghana, uh, China, Vietnam, Laos, all over the place, housed right over here, and uh, and and lots of them from a variety of places uh, in in Mexico. So uh, it's been a really great experience, but uh, let me read this to you because the liberals on, on this, uh, in this country are lying every single day. They, they are not for America, therefore uh, an entirely new country, a new agenda, and uh, they want a socialism, even though uh, they don't want to go live in any other country that's socialistic. I'll tell you about my friends who just came back from Cuba uh, two days ago and, uh, they got some stories to tell. So uh, the president of El Salvador, his name's Nayib Bukele, uh, and he says people don't flee their homes because they want to. People flee their homes because they feel they have to. Why? Because they don't have a job. Because they are being threatened by gangs. Because they don't have basic things like water, education, health. We can blame any other country, but what, what about our blame? What country did the two El Salvadorans who drowned flee from? Did they flee from the United States? No. They fled from El Salvador. They fled from our, our country. He said it's our fault. I thought, what a refreshing, what a fr- refreshing statement and a, and a statement, an honest statement, to be made by a president of a country. Like, what kind of country do we have where people flee from it? I asked the same thing today in a very, I mean, I don't want to make straight comparisons because Californians are not suffering like people in El Salvador. Nicaragua is having a civil war. Uh, there's some very difficult things happening in Central and South America right now. Venezuela is totally having a meltdown. But people are leaving California. Some of my young friends are leaving because they say, hey, it's difficult to make a living here. I can, my money can go twice as far going a couple states away. I'm not telling people aren't taking away my guns. People aren't taking away my ammo. I don't have to bend over and have them look up my butt to get it to, to buy some ammo. And so they're, they're saying, I'd rather live and try someplace else. Never tried a place before, but I'm young. I don't want to get my roots down deep here. And, and uh, when there's no... 
uh, there's no resolve in view of the present state of California. But I thought it was a, a great statement to be made by uh, the president of El Salvador, because what the liberals did when the two El Salvadorans drowned, I think it was a son and a daughter or a son and a, and a boy son. It was a, a, guy, a guy and a child and uh, they were found drowned. But whose fault is that? The United States didn't tell them to come here. Uh, so because the United States didn't like pay for a flight here, that's somehow our fault. So it's crazy. We'll, we'll talk maybe about more immigration later. But you remember when uh, the member of the little, the Red Hen, the Red Hen restaurant and uh, in Lexington, Lexington, Virginia, I, I've just driven through back there. I don't know the the lay, you know, it's it's more compact back there. The, the states are smaller. Everything is closer together. So people from that work for the Trump campaign or the Trump White House, you know, they get over into Virginia and Maryland and, you know, all those states are tight, right? They're close. So uh, you remember that when we had an incident at the Red Hen restaurant in Lexington, uh, Virginia, uh, when Sarah Huckabee Sanders went in there and they recognized her and they said, you're basically not welcome here and threw a big old fit and, uh, and they threw her out. And I thought the Red Hen restaurant must have shut down after that. I didn't want it to. I didn't really care one way or the other. My, my feeling, I don't really care whether people want to discriminate. If I go into a restaurant and they say, hey, Lou, we don't like your stance on things. You can't eat here. I'd say, oh, that's okay. I'll go home and eat. It's no fine. It's fine with me. You don't want me to eat here. You don't want me to buy clothes here. You don't want me to buy gas here. I, I don't really care. Uh, I think if, I think it's fine. I don't think I'd uh, be forced to feed somebody in my restaurant. If they if they don't if they're not pleasing to me, I think I, I should be able to say to hell with you. Get out of here. I don't want you, I don't want to feed you anyway. I think any business ought to have the right to say no. If a homosexual business wants to say to heterosexuals, uh, I don't uh, we don't want to serve your kind. I think they ought to have a right to it. It's like their business. If they want to lose the business, uh, lose money and not serve heterosexuals, homosexual business or Muslims don't want to serve Christians or Christians don't want to serve Muslims. I say, hey, ter terrific. Let them. That's freedom. To me, that's total freedom. Uh, it, it, it may they may break break their own nose by having those kind of uh, ideas. But I think that's freedom. I remember the Denny's restaurant that just across the street from where I live. Um, they used to have there used to be signs around here. No shirt, no shoes, no service. Like, hey, we're not just going to we don't have to serve everybody. I think we ought to get it on. If I want to say nobody over 300 pounds, uh, get out of here. I'm not serving anybody over 300 pounds, or I'm not serving skinny people, right? Or I'm not serving tweakers, right? It, uh, I don't have any problem with that. So when the red hen ran them out, I, I said, you know, it's interesting. It's all liberal restaurants that aren't tolerant. You don't hear any conservative restaurants throwing people out. So anyway, Stephanie Wilkinson, the owner of the red hen, uh, she became essentially, uh, just in 2018, the, tr the, the poster child for Trump derangement syndrome, right? And uh, so she wrote an op-ed or a letter to the editor in the Washington Post, and she said that uh, there's a new, a new set of rules should apply to restaurants. In other words, Trump is so uh, over-the-top, intolerable, 
uh, that that we should have a, a unique set of rules now set under Trump restaurants. Well, we can just uh, where when an uns, she called people, if you're an unsavory individual, can, so Sarah Sanders is an unsavory individual or whatever per, persuasion or affiliation, we have no legal or moral obligation to do business with you. She wrote in the June 28 edition of the newspaper, Washington Post. Uh, she says, in essence, the policy is no shoes, no shirt, or this, or this writer about her policy said, no shoes, no shirt, no Democrat voter registration card, no service. So if you aren't a Democrat, you aren't, uh, you aren't dressed properly. But if, if you don't believe in our side's version of, of the worldview and our politic, get out. We don't want to sell you no chicken. Or no lasagna. Get out of here. Get the hell out. I actually don't mind that. I'm I'm for that. Now my dad uh, ran a business. He had a butcher shop, and he served everybody. I was in there. I actually worked behind the counter <coughs> some years, cleaning up and doing gopher work, and loved every minute of it. And I watched him serve all kinds of people, and he served everybody with dignity and integrity, and and treated everybody. Uh, with uh, real pride and uh, was polite. Uh, he would never do this, but I get it. And I, I really don't have a problem with it. And I am not into people going to Christian, Christian bakeries and Christian restaurants for, for no other reason than to snag them into a lawsuit because they don't want to serve them some weird thing, like make a cake with a couple, a couple guys screwing each other on top. I, I'm not into that shouldn't ever go to court. That should never be an issue. They should just say, we're not going to do that. And so go, go down the street to the Muslim bakery. If you want to, if you want to see how tolerance works or go to a, a gay bakery. Right. So, you know, in other words, I've gone places like I went to a t-shirt shop here in town and I'm running a trauma intervention program, right? It's a nonprofit. So I got these vests, these safety vests donated to me. I'm not going to mention the place. They're, they're probably nice guys. But it's a well-known T-shirt place here in town in Marysville. So I got these bright red, orange safety vests, and I didn't want to pay twenty-five, thirty dollars a piece for them uh, to buy them. So some folks donated them to me. They're brand new, but they had uh, they had another uh, uh, name on them, like it had contractor or something. And I needed, so I wondered if somebody could just overlay that. It cost me like five bucks a piece to print them. And so I went into this po- this place that was a uh, a print place, and they they were they had no interest in. It. I could tell as soon as I walked in, I identified myself. I don't know whether they knew me or not, but it didn't make any difference to me. It, it, they were unkind to me, right? It didn't blow my hair back. It's like it's like okay, it's it's like I don't people are rude to me. There's there's seven other seven, seven billion other people in the world. I got I don't need every friend everybody to be my friend. So they kind of said, hey, hey no, we, we they didn't even come over and take a, they didn't even get off their butts to come over and look at the the job, and and they said, we, no no no, we're not we're not interested. So I, I got a Gary Fenrick uh, who runs out of his house. I called Gary. I talked to his son Garrett who's over at Fort Bragg, and Garrett. I said, hey, your, your dad. Do you think your dad could do this? He said, no, no problem. Take it by. The guys did it for me for $5 a piece. It looked great. And I got a $5 safety vest so people don't get run over on the highway when they're out trying to help somebody whose kid just got hit on the highway. So it's just, you know, I'm okay with it. So uh, anyway, Wilkinson, the, the owner of the Red Hen restaurant, who who's tossing uh, Republicans out, um, 
she says about the Trumps, if you're directly complicit in spreading hate or perpetuating suffering, maybe you should go dine at home. Uh, So anyway, uh, you know, what happened recently at the aviary, it's a high-end cocktail bar in Chicago, a waitress learned, uh, they said, oh, there's Eric Trump over there, and she spit in his face. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Now, who exactly is spreading hate and perpetuating suffering? Wilkinson and the waitress? The Trumps, actually, I think, everywhere that Trump goes, uh, I try to do, I try to be like Trump. Uh, There's Jesus and then there's Trump. And I help people out individually. I just don't have the money that Trump has. But I kick down some cash, a lot of cash, actually, to help people do better. And Trump, he helps people out of a jam all the time. I don't think, you know, but all of a sudden he's perpetuating hate, right? So I'm perpetuating hate probably because I'm not going to force some Christian baker to show a couple uh, homosexual dudes screwing on the top of a birthday cake, right? Or doing something stupid on top of a birthday cake because they think they're going to be married or something. That's just, it's just, you know, they're, they're having a fantasy, so, uh, so somehow I, I hate them. I don't, I don't hate anybody. I, I got gay people, homosexual people living all around me here. I, I, I go to sleep at night. I don't have any problem sleeping at night. I don't, when they walk by, I don't think, I don't go, ah, I don't growl on the front porch. I don't go in and have to, you know, smoke some weed, drink some whiskey, uh, take, take a oxy. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content, right? I'm okay. Right. But all of a sudden, it's like it's like not it's Nazi Germany now in in America, and you have to you have to uh, toe the line. So I'll be right back here. We're gonna take I, I take if you're new to this, I take a break every twenty minutes and just throw some water down so I don't get all hacking and everything. And it get, and I also want to play a clip for you. Did you notice the presidential debates? These I, I'm tell, I feel like I'm in a foreign country. We got presidential contenders speaking in other languages. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to bust out and speak in tongues and interpretation. You know, I come from a church where we speak in tongues and cast out demons. And so I'm waiting for Cory Booker to like switch over from Spanish and just bust some tongues out and interpret it. So check this out and we'll be, we'll be back in a, in a hot second. Okay. All right. Had to let the house go, didn't let me say no Mama had to quit a job just so I could make the show Got there was a big break, still no break it Give me seven G's and the deal didn't take it Days in the motel, nights in the studio Spending every penny, praying God to let us go bro Fashion over God is in the house And living, got my own bed now It's been a minute La situation ahora es inacceptable Este presidente ha atacado Ah, demonizado los inmigrantes es inaceptable y voy a cambiar este. On day one, I... Corey, what in the hell did you just say? What are you talking about? Who told you it was a good idea for you to get your black Nero behind on national TV, live on TV at that, and try to speak in Spanish? Who told you to do that, Corey? Boy, what? That was not Spanish. You, what was you speaking? Dothraki? <laughs> you sound like the dang Terminator. It sound like you were speaking Spanish and Japanese at the same dang time. Boy, Corey, don't get on TV again speaking in jibba jabba. We don't know, Corey. Don't do it to yourself again. Please don't do it. 
Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. Build that wall. While the prospect of building more walls along the border has become hugely controversial under the Trump administration, the reality is for many areas along the border, like San Diego, building a wall is nothing new. The fence turned one of the most dangerous neighborhoods into America into one of the safest. I grew up here, I learned to play here. This was, so we used to cross the border back and forth in the old days, chasing rabbits with our bow and arrow. How has it changed between then and now? In the 80s, it started getting very ugly. The criminal element got really big. The valley literally became one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in America. Once um, it reached that critical stage, people realized they had to do something, that they, uh, the criminals were taking advantage of the lack of control. I worked here when the fences weren't here, when there was just a little chain link fence over there, and it was out of control. There was 300 people here. They put babies over the fence. They were throwing soccer balls of heroin over. In 1986, before any major walls or fences separated the border between San Diego and Mexico, Border Patrol agents in this region apprehended more than 600,000 people, accounting for one-third of all border apprehensions that year. Construction of the primary wall, which covers 46 miles and stands between 8 and 10 feet tall, began in 1991. Construction of a secondary fence, which stands between 14 and 18 feet high, covering 13 miles of the border, began in 1997. Today, the San Diego sector now accounts for only a small fraction of total apprehensions along the border each year. You've actually got businesses right on the border now. You, if you take a picture of aerial photograph or just shoot down the fence, um, you'll see Mexico has built right to the fence. They have businesses and homes right on the fence. We've backed off and been intimidated because of the illegal and the crime problem. The fence has allowed businesses on the United States side to come up and come up closer to it. And what's interesting is that people come in legally from Mexico, shop in the, these shops in the United States, and then go back to Mexico. But they do it through the gate. It took me only like 15 minutes, so it's not hard at all. Uh, I'm sure there's other days that are busier than today. So that wasn't my, my case today, so it, it was pretty easy. Um, the city has even gone so far as to put in parks and campgrounds, want to put campgrounds up here because the decrease in criminal activity and the safety measure that have been put in place just by us being here. And most community leaders will admit easily that it's because the border patrol is here that these things are possible because they weren't back in the day before those barriers and before the increased manpower was here. I think people are getting so obsessed with um, symbolism rather than substance. San Diego has the largest land port of entry in the world. We have the biggest gate in the entire world here, but we also have a high fence. They have a saying in Mexico, good fences make good neighbors. Since building a wall, crime rates in San Diego have dropped dramatically. In 1989, there were more than 100,000 total crimes committed. And last year, there are just under 34,000. Do you think that there are any lessons to be learned in San Diego and that the type of infrastructure that's put into place here could or should be replicated in other areas? Physical structures can be a major aid at law enforcement. And the people that really are victims when you lose law enforcement are the weak and the vulnerable. The people that die along this border, I mean, I rescued drowning illegals 
that were being pushed during the flood period by smugglers. They were walking across, they didn't know the dangers. The fence sends a very clear message to everybody before they even try to cross the border. No, don't come here the wrong way. You wanna to come to America, come here through the gates. John is in a basement, mixing up the medicine. I'm on a pavement, thinking about the government. A man in a trench coat, batch out laid off. Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid, it's something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway, looking for a new friend. A man in a coonskin cap in a pig pen wants $11 bills. You only got 10. All right, welcome back. Uh, I think this is working right. We got a new setup here, and uh, I, had a, I don't think I, I don't know whether I got this thing right or not. So I was talking about the uh, the Red Hen restaurant, and um, let me give you an uh, an example of what it might be if you made a uh, an, uh, you made an order at the Red Hen restaurant, and. It might go like something like this. Uh, the hostess says, good afternoon, Red Hen Restaurant uh, Reservations. And the man, you might say, I'd like to reserve a table for two, please. Let me see what I, what I can do, inside seating or outside. Outside. Is this for a special occasion? No, ma'am. My wife just uh, has a hankering for some fried chicken, and, I, and they say y'all make some pretty good bird down there. And the name of the reservation? Oh, Clodknocker, Earl and Darlene Clodknocker. But I call the Mrs. Sugar Blossom. All right, Mr. Clodnocker, just a few more questions. It would be helpful if you could provide me with your preferred pronouns. Come again? Your preferred pronouns. You know, it's a new policy to ensure that our wait staff avoids triggering some customers by assuming they are male or female. Well, I'm a guy, so I reckon my preferred pronoun uh, are he and him. Are you dining alone? Man puts down the phone and hollers, Hey, Sugar Blossom, this gal over at Red Hen wants to know what your preferred pronoun is. Yep, ma'am. Uh, my wife says she's a she, even though she does wear the pants in the family. Hostess says, Let's see, we already have your credit card information, so I just have two more questions to ask, and we'll be ready to confirm uh, that, that reservation. Are you a registered gun owner? Well, yes, ma'am, I'm mighty proud to say I'm a card-carrying member of the National Rifle Association. I have a CCP, so if anything goes down during that supper time, I'll have your six. The lady says, and one final question, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Ma'am, he, he says, I'm a gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable. Hostess said, oh, dear, I'm terribly sorry, sir, but we don't have served deplorables here. Perhaps she might be more comfortable at the Waffle House or down there at Walmart. Man puts down the phone, says, Sugar Blossom, go get in the pickup truck. We're eating down there at Chick-fil-A. So that just might be how it goes down if you were to eat at the uh, the hen, the red hen. So uh, just some interesting stuff, going, crazy stuff going on, you know, in the name of tolerance, they're the most intolerant people in the whole world. The most intolerant people in the whole world. So um, I noticed, you know, people get all freaked out about this. Oh, my God. Somebody said to me, did you see that babies are being left that are unwanted? Like it's a big deal. 
Like it's like some shocking thing and it's a big problem. You know, it, it's not a big problem. Did you know that if if he, if a woman or a man leaves his child to be raised by somebody else, that is not a big problem. The problem we have in America is millions of children being killed each year. That's a problem. But a child being abandoned, that's alive. That is not a problem. For years at Church of Glad Tidings, we, we took in newborn babies that were born at Valley State Prison for Women in Chowchilla, California. It's in Madera County. Uh, they still house women down there, but not pregnant women. They moved those folks somewhere else. But back in the day, we took in about 150 to 170, something like that, babies. We didn't take them in to adopt them. We took them in to uh, care for them uh, until mom got out about a year or so later. We'd take short-term uh, uh, care about a year or so. And uh, so, but during that time, some of the women that we cared for the children for decided that they wanted to let the, uh, because they had some predicaments in their life, I won't go into all details because I don't want to spend the whole time on this. They decided to let the caregiving family raise the, raise the child, even though the caregiving family didn't plan to do that. So I participated in many, many adoptions. And then because we did this, People heard about us, and we put up signs like, don't end your pregnancy, we'll raise your child. Uh, contact Church of Glad Tidings and give the phone number on billboards. People would call us and say, uh, occasionally, I know somebody that's in a predicament, can you help? And we would help, and not necessarily to keep the child, but just, but anyway, we'd end up adopting children. During this time, I was contacted by national media uh, wanting to know what was up with this campaign when I first started it back in the early 90s. And I explained all, all about it, and they wrote articles about it. And I had calls from all over the United States, many states, couples wanting to raise children that could no longer had, or maybe they couldn't ever have children, but they wanted to raise a child. And so I assisted them in, in that in that task when I could, but I didn't have a lot of children to raise because most women abort their kids. If they don't keep their kids, they abort their kids. And then I saw an article about that time that in by, it was written in the Christian science monitor, which is a very good newspaper uh, saying how there was this backlog of like thousands of parents that could not adopt newborns. So the other day in Georgia, uh, this family, I think there were three teenage daughters near their home. They kept hearing this crying. And sometimes a cats or other animals can sound like a baby. They thought it was an animal, but they kept hearing it kept sound like a human, right? And so they went looking for this sound and found this girl in a bag. And they rescued this child. And the, the fascinating, the, the great thing about this is that more than 1,000 uh, couples or people came forward to adopt this newborn child. Now that just shows you people say, Oh, what are you going to do with all the people? We can't feed them all these babies. Da, da, da. It's just so, it's just so tragic. It's the same thing they used to say in China. What are you going to do? They can't feed all the people in China. What we need to do is kill everybody, right? They, how about changing how we farm, changing how the let everybody farm their own piece of land, you know, run their own business, have the state 
get out, you know. I was talking to my friend Ted Holmes today who just got back from Cuba, and he said, there's no food in Cuba because the state's in charge of distributing the food. If you wonder how it would be if they manage the food, think of how difficult it is to get your DMV stuff handled in California. Say, let's put them in charge of your, your evening dinner, the state of California. If you want to lose some weight, that would be the state of California Weight Watchers diet where you can't ever get any food. So um, anyway, that was in Georgia, Forsyth County, Georgia. Three young teen girls uh, discovered a child and everything's good with the child, healthy. They got in a great home. It's been taken care of and uh, pretty, pretty cool deal. So uh, way to go. Way to go, ladies down in Forsyth, Georgia. And way to go, all the people that stepped up to say, <laughs> I'm going to take care of I'm going to take care of these kids. And uh, I, I want a kid. Now, my contention has always been that I could find a baby. That's why I, put, I did the billboard campaign many years ago, and I continue to do it every once in a while. That I could find a home for every child that's provided to me. And so and I remember when I first ran the billboard campaign that people said that I'm that it that I started arguments in some of the hospitals up in maternity because some people that were liberal, they didn't like it. They, they think, hey, people have a right to kill their kid. Let them kill the kid. Right. Other people said, hey, if somebody wants to raise it, why don't you let somebody else raise it? I just said, hey, if, if you don't want to if you don't want to raise your child, I don't don't end, end your child's life. Don't end your pregnancy, I said. We'll raise your child. It just simply said there's millions of people in the United States that value, they would, they would tremendously value a, a newborn baby, and they would love to raise it. That's all I said. It put a value on the child that's being killed. That's all. And so the fact is, people say, oh, Lou, how can you just do that? What, how are you going to do it when people call and you won't know what to do with the kids? I said, I know what to do with the kids. And I have a backlog of, of families, good families, good people uh, that would love that child. I have a backlog. And so uh, just bring them on. But, but the liberals don't want that. The liberals want... The woman, the liberal woman, does even though she wants to have sex whenever she wants and however she wants, she does not want to suffer any consequences that she doesn't dictate. It doesn't have anything to do with a guy. Doesn't have, in other words, I'm going to kill a person. Now, in some ways, I said this before, people think I'm all crazy and stuff. I feel the same way as some of these women. There's people in my neighborhood I'd like to kill. Just kill them. They're inconvenient to me. They stand in the way of my career. And sometimes they're a pain in the rear. They dump their garbage out on my front, front, in the front of my house, right? I didn't ask them to dump it there. I didn't say you should dump it there. It's not a garbage spot, but they dump it out there out of disrespect. And I don't think I should have to put up with it. And I think I ought to be able to just shoot them right out, right? Shoot the front, shoot right through the windshield, and kill them right in the front, right in the front of my house. Why not? It, you think, oh, you're, you're losing your mind, Lou. You, you have a murder instinct. Hey, hey, hey. We got places all over town they're killing kids. And you're, you're criticizing me? We're, we're allowing people to kill kids? It's mass murder out there. Think about it. Mass murder. Uh, just crazy. 
So in Yuba County, I don't know how it is in your county. In Yuba County, hardly a month goes by that they don't want to raise. They, it's not just raising taxes. They want to double fees in, in some cases, double fees. We have a six, seven point two five sales tax. They want to add another percent on that here, percent there, percent in Marysville, percent in Yuba County, percent over in Wheeland. It's just constant. Then uh, the reclamation district, RD seven eighty four, they want to double the assessments to maintain the levees, and then they throw in the fact that they need to build a levee. I never heard of a reclamation district building a levee. But I wrote an article about it saying, what, we got surplus money to build levees. You want to build another levee? You should have built another levee. We can build another levee. Why do we have to pay more money? You already got surplus millions of dollars. You got hundreds of millions of dollars in surplus. But, they, but people are so stupid. You know, stupidity is, um, stupidity, they say, you know, you, you remember this saying, what you don't know can't hurt you, can't hurt you, cannot hurt you. What you don't know can actually put you in the poorhouse and kill you. And only they they did this election out there and that the, all the people affected by Re Reclamation District 784, they said, we, we're going to send you a ballot. If you don't mail it back in, then you don't count, right? If it's like not going to the polls. So only 16%. This is like, a, this isn't like we're going to vote for Joe to run for office. This is, we're going to double your assessment in Janu starting January 1st for as, almost as long as you live. And, uh, and they give this cock and bull uh, excuse. Only 16% of the people could get their butt off the chair and put that in the mailbox and mail it back. And the assessment prevailed. I think they had 58%. Now, I bet that just a f several hundred people even did anything. It, it's shocking. Now, I got a call yesterday from a guy who said that he's in the Linda Water District, and they got a letter, and they're doubling their rates. They're doubling their rates. It's not like they're going up 10%, 15%. They're doubling their water rates and sewage rates. Isn't that amazing? I don't know why they just don't do an automatic draw out of all our accounts. I mean, that's the way they do it in communist countries. They just come and take your stuff. But that's what we're getting right now. When you think uh, that that you probably pay tax on a hundred, not you pay a hundred different taxes a year on various things: tire taxes, sewage taxes, telephone taxes. Tax on every, all kind, most of your retail purchases, right? Some guy told me he had to pay $200 for a fishing license to, to go and put a line in the water and some bait on it and sit on the bank of the river. It costs you $200 a year in California. I don't think it should cost you anything for a fishing license. Why do they even, what, who cares? If, what about the, what, we're not, we're not planting all those fish. How come we got to do that? $200? $200? Put a line in the water, and and some guy, I met a guy over at the jail. Now maybe he just didn't tell me the whole the rest of the story, but he he said, I said, what are you doing in here? He said, I didn't have a I didn't have a fishing license, and then I I gave 
false information about my identity to the cops, so they arrested him. I think there are other issues. But the fact is, the fact that you would get arrested for not having a fishing license or even a hunting license, I just think it's it's, it's incredible. But there there's over 100 different instances where you're getting taxed on all kinds of stuff that you're involved in. So it's just totally amazing. Taxes on top of taxes. And so... Now we have out in Linda, and, and they're building houses out there. All So in other words, if there's more houses, there's no more people to pay fees and taxes, right? And they're building more houses in these subdivisions, but they still need to double their fees. And people are all up in arms about it out there in, uh, in the Linda Water District. That's up here in, in Yuba County uh, in, in Northern California. Now, also in San Francisco, San Francisco, unfortunately, is considered Northern California as well. But um, they, they've been passing propositions down there left and right. And, and there's uh, two laws, Proposition 218 and Proposition 13, that the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association sponsored the passage of, where it made it where if you, if you wanted to f- pass a tax for either, either the legislature or the citizens, if you wanted a new tax, you had to get two-thirds of the people to buy into it. If it's going to be where the people are going to vote on it or the legislature is going to vote, it needed to be two-thirds. But all of a sudden, there's this, they, they, these attorneys think they found this loophole that if the people bring the two-thirds, if the people bring the uh, argument to the ballot, then it's only 50% plus one. So in, in San Francisco, <laughs> this is amazing tax. They passed by 61%, which is just a majority, not the two-thirds majority. They passed Measure C last November. And this tax was to, to help create more housing, cheap housing, and to help with homelessness. Now, the interesting thing is they're going to apply this tax to not – they're going to apply – this is amazing – you know, if you've ever been in business, you know you have gross sales. That's the total amount of your sales. But out of those sales, you have to deduct the cost of goods sold, like you're selling cars. You've got to deduct the cost of the car, the, the payroll, you know, payroll of all your people, your overhead costs. And you get down to a bottom line. If you don't make any profit, you don't pay any tax, right? They're charging on gross sales 0.5% tax. On, on businesses, on large businesses in San Francisco. Uh, 0.5, that's, that's half a percent on gross receipts. On any, gro- gross, on any corporate revenue over $50 million, it's going to impact about 300 to 400 of the city's biggest uh, businesses, Hearst Corporation, The Chronicle, all those kind of people. All these kind of tech companies, it's estimated that the measure will bring in between $250, $300 million. Well, what, there were people, it's, you know, a lot of people down there, they're so liberal that they wouldn't oppose it because they were going to be called haters and intolerant because they're, they're going to take a half a percent right off the top, as they say in business. So uh, a couple of big uh, business people were the ones who launched this. And uh, but now there's some folks opposing it uh, because they said it was it's an illegal tax because it didn't meet the two thirds mandate, which is 66 and two thirds percent, six, six, six or six, six, seven, say it only did 61 percent. So there's so a number of agent agencies or 
organizations, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association being one, are taking this to court to see to stop this. So whenever these things go to court, now there's like three of these propositions in San Francisco that are being contested. And when that happens, all of these passed, but they passed incorrectly, according to some people believe the law. And so the money then is collected from the taxpayer, but it goes into a fund. And then if they lose, then supposedly that fund is supposed to be given back to the taxpayers. Well, the question is how they figure out who to give it to, unless somebody kept receipts and they could put a claim on it, right? So it's a big old fat mess that the, the government has created and uh, don't, know what, don't know what's going to happen. Just don't know what's going to happen. So, so that's that. And we're facing the same thing with Measure K up here in in, Mary, in the Yuba County area that was passed with about 53% of the vote, and it was supposed to have a 667. So that's when it, they name, that happens when they specify the, the reason they want the tax, like for police and fire, right? If they just said, we want more money from y'all because we have lots of bills and uh, we, we just need more money in our coffers, then it's 50% plus one. So, all right, we're going to take a break right now, and uh, I got I got a clip on global warming that should uh, that should get your attention. We'll be right back. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, back up in the woods of my Evergreens, still a long time and made of earth and wood. Well, if you're country boy. Uh, look at this quote. Okay, <laughs> this is a stunner. Read this, sports fans. There's a whole area of climate so-called science that is really more like a cult. It's like Hare Krishna or something like that. They're glassy-eyed and they chant. It will potentially harm the image of all science. Wait for it. That is from Princeton. Emeritus physics professor and former director of the Office of Science at the Department of Energy, William Happer, who joins us now. Professor, that's about as strongly worded statement as I've ever heard. Are you anti the climate science people? Well, yes, but let me take this opportunity to apologize to the Hare Krishna people who <laughs> have noble goals. And I, I really am sorry I used that simile. Uh, so, uh, well, what exactly are you saying? Are you saying that climate scientists walk in lockstep and they're not allowed to break out of that? Is that it? No, there are many very good climate scientists. I especially admire climate scientists who do measurements, you know, of... Uh, Temperatures from satellites, uh, properties of the ocean from buoys, you know, concentrations of CO2. These are good scientists and uh, we should support them. I'm all for them. But there's a, a cult that's built up around them, you know, and uh, anytime you confront them, uh, instead of talking about the science, uh, they talk about 97% agree with us, you know, we have to be right, you know, mm -hmm. so that's what I meant by a cult. Um, it, could, could, I, could anyone get a job in the climate science department of a major university if they're not gung-ho global warmers? I don't think so, uh, certainly not for the last few years, but I hope that will change because there's a lot of important climate science that ought to be done. 
and I, I hope it will be done. You're not a skeptic, are you? you? You do believe that the climate is changing and it's human beings who are at least partly responsible. That, I think, is your position. Yes, I, I think the human contribution, however, is very, very small. You know, I think most of the climate change we're seeing is natural. You know, climate has always changed. Who denies that climate changes? You know, you have to be completely blind to deny that. Mm. Um, is the planet, uh, can, can the planet be saved? Are we doomed? Because that's what we constantly hear. We've only got a few years left. Well, uh, no, that, I mean, uh, of course not. It, it's, uh, it's a problem with science illiteracy. You know, most people don't realize that the normal CO2 levels have typically been measured in thousands of parts per million, not the puny 400 or so we have today. And the Earth thrives, so the, the idea that the Earth has never had high CO2 levels, it's completely false. Most of the time, it's never had such low levels as we have now. <laughs> see, so see, so why don't, don't you learn this. some facts out there? We never hear this. We just never, ever hear this. I have to ask you, well, sir, now, are you going yes. back to Princeton today? I know you're coming from Princeton Studios. Are you going to teach a class today? How welcome are you on the campus of Princeton University? Well, first of all, I'm retired from teaching, and uh, secondly, I, I teach physics, you know, so I teach quantum mechanics, electricity, and magnetism. When I was still teaching, you know, I don't teach climate, but, but uh, are you, welcome you know, on I campus? am welcome on the campus. You are. Well, we're very pleased yes. to hear that, sir, and you're very welcome on this program, and any time you want to come you. back, you better come back, because we like you. Thank you. <laughs> Professor Happer, thank, thank you, much. sir. <laughs> okay. Thank you. There we go, sweeties. I'm a mom, but that doesn't mean I don't like to have fun. I drive a minivan, but I can let loose a little too. <laughs> I want to use heroin, but I also want to get stuff done. That's why I reach for Heroin AM, the only non-drowsy heroin on the market, so I can get jacked on skag and then get to work. When I would call time out to inject black tar heroin, there was almost a stigma about it. But with Heroin AM, I'm almost more alert than if I weren't on heroin. Heroin use in America is steadily on the rise, but productivity among heroin users has remained stagnant. That's why Heroin AM combines heroin with five milligrams of caffeine and a small pile of cocaine. And now available in gummy bears, which you can melt down and inject. <laughs> Side effects include, it's heroin. So, all that stuff. So now I can chase the dragon while I also chase this little guy. I'm gonna get ya. <laughs> wow, this might be the first afternoon mom doesn't need a nap. <laughs> Heroin AM, from the makers of Cocaine PM. I went from nodding off to nodding yes to more heroin. Now who's ready for school? All right, well, uh, I've been talking uh, over the 
the times we've been doing these podcasts about the homeless situation here in California, uh, we have a situation where uh, liberals in this country, liberal judges believe that it's compassion and kindness. I, oh, by the way, I, you know, Friday, I just, uh, the, the public defender's office at Yuba County called me and said, Hey Lou, we got this guy. We need to move down to Salvation Army in Sacramento. It's an hour away from us. And will you haul him? Uh, we don't have anybody to haul him. We need to get him out of jail. And, uh, so I hauled him down. So on the way down, we, where we go down there, the, the way I go, you end up driving through a, a gnarly part of town. And, uh, and I, I was amazed. And, and even the guy that the guy I was driving was a street person. He's homeless, right? He's a heroin addict. And so we were driving along and we just grabbed some, uh, so a couple of egg McMuffins cause he didn't get a chance to eat. And so we were driving along and, and tents were, you couldn't walk down the sidewalk cause it was now an actual tent camp all down the sidewalk for thousands, you know, hundreds of yards, hundreds of yards. And then you'd see people just laying out totally unconscious on the concrete uh, in the middle of the morning. I, like we were down there about 945 and it was getting kind of warm. And there were just people scattered like uh, poop, just droppings all over the place. And uh, so I'd written an article last week called Camp Popeye that'll pop that'll be on our website when we post this uh post this uh, podcast, but it, it ran in the territorial dispatch. You can see it at territorial dispatch biz right now. If you want, uh, if you don't want to go look at the website, if you get this on a podcast or something uh, like iTunes or something. So anyway, <clears throat> I uh, wrote this about camp Popeye because behind me, there was a, there, behind me is a seven, it's about a seven foot high concrete wall that, the what happened is when I moved in here, there was a house behind me that went all the way from street to alley, so it was like a buffer to the the businesses behind them. And so when the di- the guy died, the businesses that were bu- uh, further south they bought his property, knocked it down, and then they said they came to me and they said, "Hey, if we put in a nice concrete fence seven to eight feet high, will you allow us to put parking lot over here?" And because you know, changed the way I live right now. Now I I can. Uh, I learned how to make orders at Taco Bell. You know, I could work for Taco Bell because I listened to them all night. Hi, this is Taco Bell. What can I do for you? Uh, do you want to supersize that? Do you want, oh, do you want hot sauce, super hot? And so um, anyway, they, they put in this parking lot and this drive through behind me. Well, now the one of the restaurants, Popeye's, went out of business. So now behind Popeye's has become a homeless camp. And the other day, they right across my fence, I could have, tossed a bucket of water over and probably put the fire out literally it's just across the fence all of a sudden smoke was blowing through my house i mean smoke funky smoke you know uh where you're burning mattresses and plastic and stuff and they they'd start a fire over there so now when you drive down the alley from my house you can find three or four or five people laid right out on the asphalt as if they just dropped out of heaven there they parachuted in there it's just unbelievable so i wrote a I wrote an article about it, but liberalism in this country now, they believe that it's compassion to allow people to lay on asphalt all night, stoned out of their mind on methamphetamines or heroin or alcohol, and maybe die there, rather than arrest them, get them sober, and challenge them to get into a rehab or a clean and sober living environment or to work with them to straighten out their life. Counseling, right? Right. Because you can't counsel a person that's under the influence. 
like doing dope. You can't cancel them when when they're storming drunk. You, there's no, you're just talking through out your head. That there's it's a waste of time. And so anyway, uh, we got a whole scene happening behind us here. And my friend, who had a car parked down there, she lives around the corner. Her car was they took all the wheels off it and the battery, right? Just like stole all the wheels, took it right. It's just sitting on the ground now. And uh, so I wrote about it. But this is the way you run a city when you have liberals run the city. Uh, they they have no no idea how to really help people. So they think compassion. If, if, I want you, if you have any kids out there you're raising, compassion is letting your kids stay at your house. He's 33. He doesn't get up and go to work. He gets high or he's on pain meds. He gets, oh, smokes weed. And, and you're paying for all his bills. And, and and there's no there's no relief in sight. In other words, that's what you're going to do. That's compassion. And then the guy overdoses and, you know, I mean, just argue with him all the time. Right. But you never do any intervention. Right. So compassion is just letting people have their liberty to the to the liberal liberty. Just in parentheses, put lawlessness. Liberty is lawlessness uh, to the liberal. Right. And uh, and no responsibility, no responsibility. But yet they can they can trespass on your property and they can trespass on government property. Now, this is stupid. If this is stupid, this is uh, this is literally this federal judge is an asshole is what he is. What he what he said was that if if they uh, if homeless people are on public property. Now, what is public property? It's not no man's land. It's property that's paid for by the taxpayers. Right. If they're on pro public property, you, it doesn't matter that you have clean and sober homes, rehabs all over the United States and every almost every city and every hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in every state thousands in california rehabs it doesn't matter that you have mental health it doesn't matter you have all these services in order to arrest them and force them off public lands you have to open up another one not not one that will take care of anybody any number so if you have a thousand homeless you have to build uh, a building that will hold a thousand right they're not saying that they're just saying if you have another building now is that stupid or what that's the most stupid thing I have ever heard in my life. And and we have to follow that. Now, that's called totalitarianism, where some idiot, one idiot who has lost his brain in college, right? And somehow he made it where they put a black robe on him and he babbles all day and tells people what they, right? This guy is as far away from Solomon as Charlie Manson is from Mother Teresa. So uh, this this idiot is now he's got all these homeless people suing the cities and counties and using his precedent uh, to collect money from cities and counties. And do we solve the homelessness? No. So back in Rhode Island, uh, I don't know all the details about it, but I saw a video on it, a uh, YouTube video, about them uh, really doing some aggressive intervention and arresting people. And it's the same. I mean, I've been I've, – I've lived – I've run rehabs. I, I know people running rehabs. I talk to the people in rehab. They're thrilled to be sober. They're thrilled to be not. They, they want to meet their kids again, right? They want to find their partner again. They're not out of their minds. And, and uh, it, it's like that's compassion, right? Whooping your kid is compassionate sometimes, right? So anyway, in the article I wrote about, thank God for elite universal security because elite security 
here in the Yuba Sutter area, and they're operating now up and down the state. They're all they're clear up in Oregon now. They tell me, uh, but they're in Sacramento, Yuba Sutter. If you want a job, you can get a job from them. But they've been helping. I I said, hey, I tried to get Monty Hecker from Elite Security to call these people that own this Popeyes property because they. I mean, they're they're. It's just like it's the Wild West. There's no. We got police in this town called the Marysville Police Department, but there there's no policing. It, it's just not it they're camping we got no camping ordinances nobody's enforcing them but uh you know thank god we're elite universal security i went over they got a panda express over here so i i was late coming in from somewhere i was i drove somebody to camp to fill this gal that didn't have any clothes we had to give her clothes everything coming out of jail so i hold her up back where she was living out in the boondocks and when i came home i was hungry so i hit panda express and there are all kinds of people. You had to go through a gauntlet of people hustling you before you get into the place to just get some Chinese food. So uh, anyway, Elite Universal Security supports us, and I want to give them a shout-out. You can, If you want to use them to help protect your business, you can do that, or you can go get some business from them. They'll put you to work. They need some help because I'm telling you, man, this, this society is – you're paying officers. I'm not anti-police. I work with police. You're paying them a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a piece, and and they're being forbidden to get the job done. If, if tomorrow the politician said get those people out of there, they'd move them out of there. So in the meantime, you gotta as as a as a taxpayer, you're paying for the police, and then you have to turn around and pro- buy a private security service to come in and actually take care of what the police won't do, because <clears throat> because the uh, the politicians say don't do it. Five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero. So we're into July. Uh, you're listening to this on July six or thereafter, and so if you need to to go get a gun and learn how to shoot it, protect yourself, or pepper spray and all that kind of stuff, you can go to uh, go to these guys and they will hook you up on July thirteenth and fourteenth and twenty six and twenty seven. They are doing a concealed weapon permit course and and actually recertification. So you get the classroom, you get to you get to go out on the uh, range, practice, shoot, get all the stuff done, so you can go over there and uh, get all the the permissions squared away, so you can pack a gun, take care of your business. There's a lot of other things that they do for you, like you can get fingerprinting done. I noticed the other day I was at Yuba County Sheriff's Department and they had posted in the lobby what days that they do live scans at at uh elite universal security you can get it done every any old day just get that done if you need you need mobile notary service you can get that done they just you know they're just here to serve man they just got it on you need some people you got people pooping on your front deck all the time they can figure out how to stop it people stealing packages off your front 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 porch uh people tagging doing nutso stuff around your you know people harassing your customers they know how to fix it so uh Monty will take care of business. So we thank him, and uh, there you have it. Monty Hecker, Elite Universal Security. And uh, if you want a job, if you're thinking about law enforcement, you think, I don't know whether I should do it or not, go go and uh, be, a, be a guard and try it. And take some of the classes. They do their own classes, 530-749-0280. I, I meet a lot of young officers. Man, they are they – are, I man, they just hired a bunch of. I, I'm in Yuba County Jail to, uh, all uh, most of the day, twice a week. They've hired some great officers over there, correctional officers. I just love, I love meeting them, love going to work with them. I said, man, all day. If I was going to come to a jail, I'd want to come to your jail. You treat people really good over here. 
So uh, there's that. And, uh, you know, I met this gal. I had dinner at this folks, these folks' house out in, in Yuba County. And they're from Germany. And uh, they have a nursery out there raising uh, vines, grapevines, for the, the replacement vines or new plants for vineyards. And they got it going on out there. But but at the dinner, they invited me to. It was just a family dinner. Their daughter was there. And uh, she's a grown woman who has her own business. Her name's Stephanie Kasekamp. And she has a horse operation uh, called Yuba City Stables. And you can check it out at, on your website at ycstables.com, ycstables.com. Dot com and uh, it's it's YC. I thought it stand for maybe Yuba County, Yuba City, something like that, but it actually stands for Youthful Courage Stable. She's very interested in helping young people overcome obstacles in their life and and learn how to do that w- with uh, skills with uh, working with horses. And she's a very nice person. I liked her when I met her. I just thought, oh, you would be cool to learn how to. Uh, ride a horse and you know sometimes kids have barriers in their life difficulties maybe learning deficiencies all kinds of things maybe they get in an accident and they have some issues that they need to work through and so she's studied with therapeutic riding and uh, she understands about therapeutic riding she understands all about teaching riding to all kinds of people so if if you want to if you're interested in that, she's located right just on the edge of Yuba City. I think it's out on Franklin. You could call her at 707-350-2999. You know, summertime, when, you know, some of my friends that have kids, man, they're looking for, they're looking to put them in swimming lessons and soccer and camps and, you know, trying to keep the kids busy and learning and even maybe taking some extra classes. Uh, <clears throat> so you got to check out. Maybe your children would love to get involved with horses and maybe FFA, Future Farmers of America. So it's Youthful Youthful Courage Stables in Yuba City, 707-350-2999. Check it out. Stephanie is a cool person. Well, uh, let's move on here. And... um, I got a few minutes before our third break of the day. I just want to say quickly, uh, I don't know whether you noticed this, but a Navy SEAL. Have you noticed the amount of military, our military heroes are are being uh, accused of murder? It's interesting. You, know, you say, we're going to train you to kill people. And then you go over and kill people. Then then they arrest you and put you in jail for murder, Right. And so Eddie Gallagher, who is a highly decorated Navy SEAL, spent 10, I think, 10 months in jail because of some of the guys worked under him. Uh, He's a Navy SEAL chief, but he also was skilled in in medical care. So when guys went down, he would provide medical care for them. Anyway, Eddie Gallagher was accused by his cohorts, Navy SEALs, of killing a guy, an ISIS fighter. And uh, he he didn't kill the guy. In fact, uh, they they framed this guy. Uh, some people consider this a mutiny, but not on a boat. And they didn't like the way his they didn't like his leadership, and he didn't like the way they were performing. He thought they were performing in a crappy fashion, and so uh, they they uh, 
coordinated their stories to say this guy stabbed this guy to death. And what he did is he opened an airway because the guy was suffocating to put a tube in his throat so he could breathe. Anyway, one of the other, uh, after he did that, one of the other Navy SEALs finally came forward and said he actually suffocated the guy. In other words, another Navy SEAL had confessed to the murder. He killed the guy. Anyway, Gallagher got out. Trump stepped in, and everybody thought, "Can you?" This is Hillary Clinton's tweet. She considered the the. It, it wasn't a pardon. He didn't pardon him. They took it to trial, and and the jury, a military jury, threw the thing out. And she called it, this is grotesque. Now, Hillary Clinton, I got to watch my words here, even though it's a, a podcast, but Hillary Clinton, if you, the word grotesque in the dictionary next to it should have Hillary Clinton's face because this woman has killed, she not only killed people, our own people at Benghazi, but I don't know whether you've ever followed this uh, perverts that she's put in charge of embassies and our foreign embassies. But one guy was having sex with little girls in our embassy or around town and everybody knew about it and she didn't do anything about it. The Clintons are involved in every twisted type of sexual screwiness, kinkiness there is. So if she's going to use the word grotesque, she, she should understand that term but to call a Navy SEAL hero who actually was awarded, I believe it, I, I don't know all, all the, I wasn't a military guy. Gallagher was nominated for a Silver Star Award, a coveted uh, training uh, for a, uh, a training assignment, a promotion. When this all happened because of extraordinary, his extraordinary performance, these junior SEALs tried to derail all that and take him out. Now, it isn't unusual in military, you've heard about this, where people will kill their leader because they either feel like he isn't a good leader or something, something happens. People go sideways. So after the, the SEALs uh, escalated their claims, you know, the first complaints about him didn't go anywhere, so they escalated their, escalated their claims to war crimes, and, and then they he got arrested. They put seven counts on this guy. and But... The case fell apart, and finally one of the fellows that was accusing him admitted that he killed the guy. So way to go, Eddie Gallagher. Thank you for your service to the country. And and uh, the, the sad thing is that this guy set for 10 months uh, in jail till Trump uh, put some pressure on. And I don't know if you remember Bernie Carrick at the time of the Twin Towers attack, Bernie, New York Police Department Commissioner Bernie Carrick. He's now former New York Police Department commissioner. He served along with attorneys on Gallagher's defense team as an advisor. Thank God that they set this guy free. And uh, so, uh, you know, our Navy SEALs are amazing. To me, I just think I don't even know if I had a life to live over, whether I could I could pull stay. Uh, I could pull it off and do that but i think what what an honor it would be to to serve the country in that fashion so we're going to take a break here uh coming to the end of our third go here today and so i'm going to uh, play you this clip that i wrote an article about called 
the Gibson family, who has been in business, I think, for over 100 years in Oberlin, Oberlin uh, Ohio, uh, with a bakery and, uh, and a market. And this, the same family has owned it, the Gibson family, and Oberlin College tried to harass them and call them racist. And I'm telling you, a judge had his head on straight because he awarded the Gibsons, I believe, a, co a combined of over $40 million and just slapped, Jack slapped the face off Oberlin, Oberlin College. I thought, thank you, Jesus. So check this out. I think it'll get informed. You'll love this if you're a, a good, solid patriot. Otherwise, go to some other channel, maybe. Lord, a working man can't get nowhere today. We begin tonight with a Channel 3 exclusive. They were labeled racists and fought back to save their reputation, winning a lawsuit against Oberlin College and a staggering $44 million verdict. Amani Abraham takes you inside Gibson's Bakery and the community they've cherished for more than 130 years. Every morning of every day. Welcome to Gibson's. And all the comforts of familiarity. Two raisin, two lemon. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you. for coming in. Thanks have been coming to Gibson's since horses ruled the streets of Oberlin. Donut after donut. Gibson after Gibson. There's Grandpa Gibson, 90 years old, but clearly still an attraction. Can I kiss you? I'm Florence, and I've been coming here for like how many years? Behind the counter, the eager to please Gibson, 11-year-old Cash Lynn. The chocolate chip cookie dough and which come? In between is David Gibson, scooping memories, serving up tradition. So while I was here, it's like, oh, I'm gonna swing by. If there is a parking spot, I'm gonna stop at Gibson's. Thank you very much. One can't imagine Oberlin without Gibson's. Then again, who could have imagined November 2016? For this to come at us in this way was, we're just a family. Let me get control here for a second, sorry. We're just a family that gets up every day and uh, we come to work, take care of our business, our family, our employees and we do our best to service our community that we can. Gibson's grew out of the 1800s, right alongside Oberlin College. The family's homemade treats satisfying college dignitaries. The relationship soured in 2016, when a shoplifter, a black Oberlin student, tangled with a Gibson. It took us generations to build this business. Uh, and in, in a matter of a couple days, it was destroyed. This was two days after Donald Trump's election, and like the country, Oberlin grew divided, emotions spiraling. College administrators, they say, egged on students and canceled its contracts with Gibsons. But the charges of racism hurt the most. We were devastated by that. It was the furthest thing from the truth. My employees were frightened. Employees like Trey James, who says his tires were slashed at the peak of the protests. My first impression was disbelief. I couldn't believe that the 
the kids would jump to that conclusion over what had happened. Retired professor Bob Pyron, a loyal customer since the 60s, witnessed the protests. I was disgusted. I've known the family forever. They, this, this was the nastiest thing that could ever happen to a bunch of good people. It was the Gibson's legacy at stake. We have always made it a point to stand up for what was right and we were not going to back down from this issue. The elder Gibson urged the fight in a courtroom to save the Gibson name. Anytime the name come up, be, be called a ra racist and so forth. You know. That really scares me. That fight ended with a verdict heard across the country, $44 million. I was thrilled for the town because the town didn't deserve to have that label put on it. And certainly Gibson's Bakery didn't deserve to have that. All day, customers offer glad tidings to the Gibsons, sharing the verdict as a win for the little guys. Right over wrong, the American dream. There's an awful lot of good people that are just working every day just like us. And I think uh, all of those folks just, just want to be treated right and treated equally. Oberlin College responded to the judgment, saying they were disappointed in the jury's decisions. They deny that they defamed the bakery and said they tried to de-escalate the situation. Now, there's no word on an official appeal at this point, but the college believes the verdict would have a, quote, chilling effect on free speech. I'm Annie Abraham, Channel 3 News. All right, here we go. Uh, I hope you guys had a great 4th of July. I, uh, I had a particularly good time this 4th of July, and it was just hanging out with people on the mend. A lot of people on the mend. Other people had it going on. Uh, a lot of people making a comeback in their life. Uh, they All those people maybe were homeless at one time, but a lot of them were. Uh, but they're in homes today and they're, they're, they're all shined and looking good and they're working on some issues, trying to like have a different perspective and, uh, making some decisions a different way. But at this, uh, gathering the, the Cuba crew, the Cuba crew were there. So we had eight guys, uh, I think seven from here. And then one we picked up out of Southern California and they flew, uh, from here to Florida, San Francisco to Florida, and then on down to Cuba. And going through customs and everything went pretty smooth, but they they were shocked at Cuba. And uh, they said the people were fantastic. The, the, the citizens of Cuba were lovely, very kind, very helpful to them. Uh, but But the state of the country was shocking. And so I know that when you send down these liberal ladies... They come back thinking that it's utopia and it's somehow Disneyland down there. Well, let me tell you, uh, you are being lied to repeatedly on a daily basis by the media in this country and these silly women that uh, are filling the seats of these Democrat uh, political spots and going to these communist countries and coming back and saying how they're so superior to the United States. So, you know, here, here's where it is. I don't care about us being superior or them being superior. Here's what I like. You know what I like? I like to see people that are making a living and they're able to feed their families 
And if they, they want to go on a date, they can. If they want to go to the movies, they can. If they want to buy a car, they can. If they want to fly across the United States to go around the world, they can. Uh, if they want medical care, they can. They have money to do that. And they don't, have to, they don't have to be beholden to the government. They can make their own living. They want to buy three different pairs of pants, all different colors. They can. You know, in other words, there's freedom. Money uh, and jobs and the government staying out of your business that's freedom. That's liberty. That's what the founding fathers want. So I like it when people have money in their pocket. They're happy. If their kid wants something, they want to give it to them. They can give it to them. So when the team went down there, now some of these guys, they're all my friends. I, I, I just think very highly of all of them. I'd go anywhere. I'd back them. I would do anything to help them. They have been all, some of them have been all over the world together. They've been, they've been on the borders of Laos uh, building a, a training centers. They've been in Honduras. They've been in Papua New Guinea. They've been in the Congo building a hospital where a volcano, volcano hit it. They've been in Horsley's Green, England, building a child care center for Bible translators to keep their kids in. Uh, they've been in all kinds of, in Mexico before. They've been uh, in um, <clears throat> Kenya when the revolution happened. I think it was in Zaire. And the missionaries flew, fled out of there. They built offices for them to set them up in Kenya. They've been all over the place. And they'd, they'd been in some pretty, pretty gnarly, uh, tough spots. Uh, they were, were down in Sinaloa, Mexico, where the cartel's operating. Uh, they, they, they aren't pussies, these guys. They go down, they got some backbone, and they can live rugged. We, we worked in Tijuana on the Otam Mesa side of Tijuana building an orphanage, and we slept right there in the, in the building we were working on. And there's no water a lot of times at Tijuana. The water at that time was shut off during the day. We'd just, you know, we'd just, after pouring concrete all day, working on block building, we would take, we'd have a five-gallon bucket to, to clean up in. And that's just the way it was. Everybody was happy about that. It was cool. They said in Cuba, they, we hauled our own food down. Think about that. You're going to a foreign country. I go to third world nations, but they have their own food there. And there's, food is not a problem. But these guys, they, every, as they got closer to the depart date, they kept saying, well, you better bring this. Well, you better, Matt, you better bring some more of that. You better bring some of this. Because food is is in uh, short supply. And uh, so I think the locals there helped cook food for them. Uh, but it was very difficult. Any of the supplies, building supplies they need were very, very difficult to get. Uh, they needed a crane. Uh, anyway, I won't get into all the details because I want to run out of time today. But that is a two-story building. They're putting up these steel uh, trusses. Anyway, uh, my friend Ted, who's been all over the world for years, uh, he lived in an orphanage on the Baja Peninsula for two years, taking care of all the repairs, taking in people and a clinic, medical clinic, etc. So anyway, lived on Indian reservations, all the kind of stuff. So uh, the guy is not a pussy, and like more so you liberals are. So uh, he said, Lou, we were, we wanted to do something for the ladies that took care of us, made food for us and stuff. So, you know, that we didn't know what to do, like flowers. Where do you get flowers? Where did, We just couldn't figure out what to do. For guys here for Mother's Day, do not do this. But this worked in Cuba. He said, Lou, we went out and we bought frying pans and uh, because they don't have anything like that. I mean, it's very difficult. And they're they're making like 10 or $15 a, mo a month, right? 
or $20 a month. A, t a frying pan, maybe one of those cast iron deals. He didn't tell me what kind of fr frying pan is. It does. I don't think it cook. It, it doesn't like kill your game for you and cook it yourself. It doesn't do all that for you. You have to do it yourself, but it's a frying pan, right? A frying pan. You got it? You got to get a mental image for me. The frying pans cost $25 a piece. So they bought a bunch of these women frying pans before they left. And she they wept. I want you to get that. Are you going to pay attention to this crap you're being delivered by Nancy Botox and all these nutcases? I mean, are these... I, I had people on LSD that made more sense than this, uh, this, this uh, Latino woman, the horse face back there from the back, back east. Uh, who goes down the border and cusses out people. Uh, you're going to pay attention to these people? I mean, these people are like on acid around here, these politicians. They're they're totally out of their mind. Uh, they should be sent over to Napa State Hospital for a, a check over. But when they gave the, the frying pans to these women, I, I just talked about, you know, I just had a, like a very short conversation. I said, what was it like? said, my friend Ted said, Ted said, Lou, I've been all over the world. I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's so difficult for the people. But he said they were lovely people. And uh, uh, they picked us up in some kind of a 50-some year, 58 or something truck that they put benches in the back of it. And the guys had to ride in the back uh, from the airport. That's how they picked them up from the airport with all their gear and stuff, right? Because they had to haul their own equipment down, tools and stuff. Anyway, I, I hope that gives you an idea. When you hear all this propaganda, that country, if please take your time and go on the Internet and pull up articles about Venezuela. That country was like this country when back in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. That country was like this country. There was food, abundant food on the shelves. People were driving cars. They, they were... They had oil running out their ears, Mo you know, oil, fossil fuels running out their ears, right? The biggest oil reserves, some, some claimed in the world, Venezuela. Today, they're importing gas. That place is so screwed up, people. Listen, everything rises and falls on leadership. You don't think, like the other day I was talking to somebody, they some people came to talk to me about how to change things around here. And I said, listen, guys, when you just go for a drive through California and you're, as you drive through California, you're going to go through city after city. Some cities you're going to go, Ooh, this is nice. And then other cities you're going to say, Whoa, what happened here? The only difference is the climate's the same. It all is leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. All you have to do is drive from Marysville across to Yuba City. You think, oh, this is nice. Come back to Marysville. Oh, homeless people laying all over the road. I, I'm waiting. I don't know whether the police will actually remove anybody laying in the street. Is that a problem anymore? Would we just allow a truck to run over somebody? I don't know. Maybe it's just a roadkill. There was a bill that you could... You could eat roadkill now. I don't know whether that passed or not. We used to eat roadkill back in the 70s. We were so poor. We were taking people off the street. Finally, Fish and Game felt sorry for us and used to bring us deer. Knocked knocked over on the highway, up on Highway 20. And uh, But I don't know whether a person roadkill. 
I don't know whether liberals in this country would ever get to the place where they had okay eating babies. You know, we're now selling baby parts, and that's okay. Did you know that was okay? Kamala Harris, when she was attorney general, and uh, the gangbanger Becerra, the new guy, they actually, when investigative journalists expose Planned Parenthood and others that they're not only aborting babies, but then they're taking them apart and selling them. They're parting them out like a car and selling the parts. Did you know that, that that's against the law? And when they expose that, instead of going after the perpetrators, they act, it'd be like they arrest the cops, right? They arrested the, in, the journalists who, who exposed it. Did you know in China... Now, I know people think I'm nuts, but the fact is, eventually you'll catch up and find, find out that I speak the truth. In China, they eat children. Did you know that? They eat the parts. Does that, is that gross to you? I'll tell you what's gross to me. Killing a baby is gross to me. So let's, let's back it up a notch before we're going to eat their little leg and have a, what do they call it? Um, you know how they have buffalo wings? We'll have baby wings and spicy. You want extra spicy? So anyway, that, that's what's going on in China. People say, oh, I remember back in the, when email was first new. And I said, do not email me in China and talk about what I'm doing over there. Because I was doing underground work with the underground church. Oh, Lou, what's the big deal? Blah, blah, blah. I said, they read the emails. Oh, people, oh that, was, that was not shooting at my house. That was a bomb going off here. It's 4th of July. I'm, I'm doing this the evening of 4th of July. So anyway, I, when I was in China, people would mock me, my friends and people I know. Church people are particularly shallow thinkers. And so they uh, would say to me, Oh, Lou, you know, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Nobody's reading other people's emails. And now, now in America, right, everybody's reading everybody's emails, right? They're listening to your phone conversations, right? Have you got that yet, or are you just totally spaced out out there uh, and watching some weird program on television? So anyway, um, if people ought to pay attention, if go on the Internet and look at Venezuela— because you think, oh, California, it doesn't matter. You know, liberals say, it doesn't matter how many people leave, just to hell with them. You know, there's as many people want to come here. Well, yeah, who are they? They can't even speak English. They're sick. They're, they're diseased. They can't speak English. Uh, they're all screwed up, right? And where are you going to put them? And who's going to pay for it, right? And they think they can just do whatever they want, and nothing's really going to change. Well, I'm telling you, there's a lot of, when I, when I realized that, Almost every month I'm hearing of somebody leaving that I actually know them. I know their families and they're leaving. I think, hey, uh, that's happening county after county after county after county after county. Because a lot of people, young people, when I when I was coming up uh, and coming out of living in a commune for nine years, I wanted to I was married, had kids. I wanted to buy a house. Houses weren't that expensive in Northern California today. It's just ridiculous, totally ridiculous. So why would a young couple stay here? Right. So some of our best and brightest kids are, are moving out of the area. It's really sad because it's separating families that have, have 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 settled down here and been here for 40 years in Northern California. And now their kids are because of the crazy way the government is being run in California. It's destroying families. 
you think, oh, Lou, they're not really destroying people. Yeah, you know, if, when you, you know, it's nice to have your grandkids, your kids and your grandkids close so you can, like, share life together, right? But liberals don't care about that. They don't care about that. It's no big deal. It's like, hey, get over it, you know. If you want to move, move to hell with you. Love it or leave it. You know, that's their thinking. Now, this is interesting because I've kept hearing on the news that uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're going into a recession. You remember when George Bush, the last George Bush, I think unemployment was 5%, and Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House, and she just couldn't get off George Bush. She said, what kind of president are you with that high unemployment rate, 5%, 5%, 5%, 5%, and they just talked the country into a recession? 5% is not that bad. It's not great, but it's not that bad, 5%. California had, I think, 12% under Obama at one point. So anyway, they just, Democrats just create a crisis out of thin air. They'll just talk it up. All the media joins in. They talk it up. So all of a sudden, over a period of a week or two, they just kept saying, we're going into a recession. We're going into a recession. It's weak, weak, weak. Confidence is down, down, down. And then I just read article, all kinds of articles. The Dow just lost, logged the Dow, Dow Jones Industrial uh, index logged its best June return in more than 80 years. So you remember when they said uh, if Trump wins, which isn't going to happen, but if he did win, the stock market would crash. I thought, now that's weird because I, if I would have guessed that if a businessman, a really sharp businessman who has taken on really big projects and had connections all over the world, if he got elected, I would think the stock market would go up because they're expectant of favorable uh, regulations and less regulations. So it should be better for business. I thought it should go up, but they said it was going to crash. What they said, they would say anything. If, if they could convince people that breast cancer would go up, they would say that. Or diabetes would go up if he was elected, they'd say that. So they said it was going to go up, but now... They, the media not only doesn't report much of this, but they don't make much of it. The fact that the, what is the number? Is it 20? We're up to 26,000? Are we up to 26,000? I'm looking at this article. I can't find what I want to find. Uh, this time around, the U.S. unemployment rate, rate stands at 3.6% with 75,000 jobs created. That doesn't mean they're created by the government. The government has no ability to create a job that actually produces something. All they can do is put a person behind a desk with a, with a little laptop and a little white truck and run around and take stuff from you. They just It's a sucking sound when they start a job because they don't actually produce anything anybody wants. They just shove paper back and forth. So um, anyway, they, the previous month, there was 185,000 jobs created. So there was a downturn. And it wasn't like the, we went backwards. There weren't as many jobs. But has anybody – are you invested in the stock market? I am. Because I had to provide for my own, uh, my own uh, retirement, right? So uh, everybody said – oh, then they said after he was president, oh, well, you know, with this tariff – He's going to start tariffs as this. We've never had tariffs in our life. He's going to start tariffs. He's going to start a trade war. The reason we never had a war, it'd be like when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. We call the emperor of Japan and say, we surrender. Come on in. We're, we're ready to give up. Right. 
we've been getting our butt kicked to the tune of $500 billion a year that, that China was ripping us off for. They were, we were allowing them to bring their products here for little or no tariffs, but they would not even allow us to sell our products over there or very, very, very high tariffs. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 73 points. You think, oh, so what? 73 points? Nah, 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 nah. Almost, we're almost at 27,000. Have you ever even heard of such a thing? It's the first time. Oh, well, it hasn't. They're either going to say it's, it doesn't mean a thing. I'm telling you what, I just talked to my investment advisor the other day. She called me up. She said, Lou, you did really good, man. She said, we had a real rough spot there where things got a little freaky, but it's, it's come back and you did really good. I said, you know, honey, I, I said, I've been talking on the radio about you. I don't give her a name out. But I, I said, uh, you actually are getting better returns than these big dogs at CalPERS that are investing $350 billion. And they can't pull off the returns my little lady does for me. And uh, I, I'm rich. Did you know I was rich? Uh, I'm no Bill Gates, right? But I got a house. I got food. I got food in the fridge. I got gas in my car. I just filled it up today over in Yuba City because I save money over there because it's less. They don't tax you so much as over here across the river. Uh, but I can fly anywhere in the world at, at a drop of a dime. I can just get on a plane and go. Have the money to pay for it. I don't have any debt. Uh, I, I feel like I'm a wealthy man. You think, oh, Lou, you don't have much money. You never made much money. That's true. Uh, but, you know, compared to most of the people in the world, I'm a very wealthy man. And I can help people uh, with the I got so much money, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. You think, oh, you just give it to me. That's stupid talk. No, I'm not going to give it to you because you're stupid. I, I'm going to use it to really change the lives. Totally transform a life. That's what I'm going to do, right? A lot of you give it to these big organizations. They spit. They give their executives. Like I had a guy. He 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 gave fifty thousand dollars to this missionary organization. You know what they did with it? He thought they were going to come up with uh, new audio Bibles. You know what they did with it? They 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 gave pensions to all these people in their organizations, right? They they caught up on their pension thing. Just pissed him off. You know, people do stupid stuff like that. But you know, if you're careful, you can you can transform lives in other countries where they're they're making just little bits of money, and you can really see a lot of transformation in lives. I figured that out a long time ago. Uh, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm not the dumbest either. So let's see, one, two, three, four. I got uh, I got. So you got <laughs> uh, this is entertaining break. This is our fourth break, and I think you'll enjoy it. So uh, hang with us, okay? We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Well, I came to the city. I was running from the pain. My heart was bleeding, and it hurt my bones to lay.
job, I guess it paid the bills. This pays more for using the same skills. At first we hound you, then we put our arms around you, and you'll be waiting for the longest time. Whoa, for the longest time. Whoa, for the longest supervisors try to sneak bombs by of one hundred. Just follow your heart. Now I know the woman that you are. I'll swab your magic cards and you'll miss your connection. Who could guess what consequence this brings? We have issues keeping nicer things. Our record's so bad. I think you. I was in London uh, about a month ago. The World Cup was going on. I enjoy any sporting event where nations get involved. I find that the most exciting. The Olympics is really my favorite uh, sporting event, although I, I think I have a problem with that silver medal. I think if I was an Olympic athlete, I would rather come in last than win the silver, if you think about it. You know, you win the gold, you feel good. You win the bronze, you think, well, at least I got something. But you win that silver, that's like, congratulations, you almost won. Of all the losers, you came in first of that group. You're the number one loser. No one lost ahead of you. And they don't lose by much. You know, these short races, three hundredths of a second, two hundredths of a second. I don't know how they live with that the rest of their lives, because you got to tell the story. Everyone wants to hear the story. Wow, congratulations, silver medal. Did you trip? Did you not hear the gun go off? Tell us what happened. <laughs> it's a hundredth of a second. You know, people say, what was the difference in the, in the margin there? What was it? Well, it was like from now, it was like from now, now to now, now, now to now, to now, 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 that was it. That was it. I trained, I worked out, I exercised my entire life. I never had a date, I never had a drink, I never had a beer, I was doing push-ups since I was a fetus. I flew halfway around the world, everybody I knew in my whole life was there, the guy shut off the gun, and oh. And they always had that photo finish, you know the photo finish was always silver, gold. This is the whole race. Gold, silver, Bronze, dead last. <laughs> Greatest guy in the world, never heard of him. <laughs> you know, guys gotta be thinking if I had a pimple, I would've won. Picking up passengers. 
from coast to coast Faith be the key Open the doors and board them There's room for all of the loved animals Yes, there is fifth segment today and I want to talk about Chick-fil-A where I live there is no Chick-fil-A where the town I live in or the next town over I think there is maybe 30-40 minutes away Uh, I don't know that I've ever eaten a Chick-fil-A but I heard it's really good so I think I'm going to be going to Vietnam pretty soon I'm going to ask them over there if they got any Chick-fil-A They do have Kentucky Fried over there, which I like Kentucky Fried Chicken, too. Behind me, as I mentioned, there used to be a Popeye's. Before that, it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken. I was sad. I don't eat a lot of—I like chicken, but I don't eat a lot of Kentucky Fried Chicken back in the day. But, man, when I did, I really liked it. So when I hear about Chick-fil-A, I get jealous because people can go to Chick-fil-A. And it's interesting that that, uh, the the most— the people that claim to be the most tolerant are the most t- intolerant people in the world, and that's the liberals and the uh, the gay people. <clears throat> they they're not gay. It's not gay. Uh, that's the uh, L B G T X Y O M G people, right? All the people. Now we can't. N- did you realize that there's no longer no male and female? We don't know how many different kinds of people there are. It's just it's undeterminable, and uh, so. It's interesting that people get pissed off. Just we, we just can't handle <clears throat> Donald Trump, the president, having a parade. But but we can have these pride, uh, gay pride parades all over the place, and like they say, oh well, we don't need a uh, we don't need honor. The military doesn't like to even draw any recognition to themselves. Why do the gay pride people always want to draw recognitions and get hard-ons and walk down the street swinging them back and forth? what's the i don't know i've i've all missed the point there they wear these little tiny these little tiny women's panties uh and have their all their junk hanging out and then paint up their face and everything i i'm not i'm not having quite caught up are they uh, are they applying for the carnival uh or are they trying to get in the circus uh or they want to do a strip joint uh i i don't know you know i i i've never run into anybody in those that actually performed in those parades like perform sex acts in the parades i think you know i i've just never i don't know it's just different i mean i've met women and when i've interviewed them in jail like you know on job skills we talk about job skills and we go around the the circle and they say say you know just tell me you know where have you worked and they say lou i've just uh i've been a prostitute and i say well you know it's okay there's some transferable skills there you learned how to please somebody so we can work with that but uh, you know these people that dress all up and stick stuff up their rear end and you know do something on the back of a float uh you know i just i'm just you know i'm getting old i'm just not of that generation that turns me on right i just i missed it somewhere i missed it so when they have a great gay parade I'm tolerant, right? If they had a gay parade in Marysville, like, for God's sake, they have a Buckeye parade dedicated to a demon in, in Marysville, California. So, I mean, we could have a gay pride parade. That's not as bad as Buckeye. It's not a, It's like, hey, just like people want to have sex with the same gender, I get it. You know, it's not a new thing. I read about it in the Bible, right? 
I don't need to learn it from the street or practice it or like have a tryout. I can read all about it in the Bible, right? So, uh, but Bacchae, I mean, for God's sake, you know, we've been for years, we, we honor a demon. Then, then the city wonders why it's not prospering. They just have to read the Bible. When you, when you honor a demon, you dedicate the city to a demon, uh, you're going to have a hard time overcoming. I mean, the Bible, I don't know. I, I was married for a while. I, I don't think it's good to two-time your partner, right? So if you two-time God, it's one thing to two-time your partner, have sex on the side. But to two-time God, you're going to get a black eye on that deal, right? At some point, God just says, you don't want my blessing? You don't want help here? Uh, that's okay. You can do it on your own. Work with Bacchae on the deal. So anyway, it's the same thing with the gay pride thing. So here we have a gay pride parade in Manhattan of all places. Have you ever been to Manhattan? Kind of interesting. I went to the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. What a place. What a place. You got to go to that church service. Of course, if you're not into church, you may not like it. But but man, I'll tell you, talk if you like music, look out. New, the New York City churches, even the churches in Harlem, they can lay down some music. They got some professional musicians there. They play in professional the recording studios around town. Then they come to church and play. They have choirs, two, three hundred people there that will just it's it's like you feel like you're in heaven. Uh, so anyway, and I know Manhattan, and so they had a big parade in uh, Gay Pride Parade, right? These bombs, you're, they're shooting bombs around here now. This it's the fourth. I'm recording on the fourth for the sixth. So you heard me say it earlier. So that you, we're here, if you're a boom, it's everything's all right here in the house. We're good. So anyway, what they did on Chick-fil-A, they, there's a Chick-fil-A restaurant downtown Manhattan, right? And so instead of just like, they couldn't just leave it alone. They couldn't like pull out their ding dong and flap it around. And they couldn't like go bare breasted and, and, and do uh, Weird, weird queer stuff do queer stuff right they couldn't just do their queer stuff and be happy they had to go over and they stretched a uh, a pink duct tape across chick-fil-a restaurant window with the words f-u-c-k haters right written across it i think oh that's just great i mean it's like you couldn't with you have no self-control you know one of the fruits of the holy spirit the bible says is self-control i tell that in my in my uh, class uh for uh anger management at the jail self-control and i said i have a real hard time with that myself so i'm not perfect I, you know i have to deal with my self-control issues because i'm always wanting to shoot somebody so um but they got to go they had to go instead of just chick-fil-a does not hate They've never said that that uh, they hate people that have sex uh, putting their penis in somebody's butt or in their uh, some other guy's mouth. So uh, they they never said they they hate those people. If they want to do that or they want to have sex with a horse, they never said they hated them. All they said one time, they said that we believe. Uh, let me just state it for you. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even uh, paraphrase it. Uh, he says, this whole thing started with Chick-fil-A in 2012 when company president Dan Cathy, C-A-T-H-Y, expressed his support for traditional marriage, right? He just said, I, I will do, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus and I support traditional marriage. I think traditional marriage is important to our society. That's what he said. 
Well, you can't say that today. Did you know that? Because what that did, the LGBTQXYZMOP, that group organized boycotts across the country, right? So then Kathy, then he did, took it one step further because the media wanted to push him over the edge, right? But he said, I think we are inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you as to what constitutes a marriage. Now, I would have said the same thing. Then he said, I pray God's mercy on our generation that has such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to define what marriage is all about. It seems legit to me. He didn't say, don't screw, screw your same-sex partner, right? He didn't say that. He said, if you, he didn't tell them there should be a law, you should arrest all these people. He didn't, he didn't say, everybody has got to come to my church or go to church. That's all. He just made a comment about marriage. Then he said this, we are very supportive of the family, the biblical de- definition of the family unit. <clears throat> we are family-oriented business, a family-led business, and we are married to our first wives. We give thanks for, God, for we give thanks to God for that. We want to do anything we possibly can to strengthen families. We are very much committed to that. We intend to stand, stay the course. He said, "We know that it might not be popular with everyone, but thank the Lord, we live in a country where we can share our values and operate on biblical biblical principles." Now, the, where he went wrong here is we no longer are living in a country where we can share our values share our values and operate on biblical principles. He is wrong because the LBGTQXYZ screw everything in sight. People will not allow that. You either have to love them, invite them into your home, bow down before them, kiss their ass, uh, tell them what wonderful people they are, that you want their, your child to be just like them, or you're a hater. That's, that's just what this is all about. You're a hater. You're a hater. And F the haters, right? Then they put they put another board, they put another offensive phrase, they leaned it up against the building. I was surprised that they didn't knock the windows out or do something really funky like they normally do because they got no class. These people have no class. Uh, uh, it's, it's just all over the country. They can go around, pee on things, poop on things. I remember we were up and um, we were blocking an abortion clinic in, in Planned Parenthood in Chico. And all these uh, lesbians, uh, they screamed in our ears and blew whistles in our ears. And, and we were just quiet and we were just making a protest. And uh, these gals went nutso on us, right? I, I've never seen any Christian people go nutso on people. So uh, anyway, that's that. So, uh, so then what we have is the media joining in with this, the LGBT queer all the XYZ, MOP, all the uh, lick, the fluid gender people. And last year, the New Yorker and the Huff, Huffington Post said, "If you're this is the title, this is the headline, if you really love LGBTQ people, you just can't keep eating Chick-fil-A in the Huffington Post. And when Chick-fil-A wanted to set up shop in New York City, Dan Pipperin, of the New Yorker called it a creepy, a creepy infiltration of the city, a creepy infiltration of Christian people, uh, of, of a worker that takes good care of a business that takes wonderful care of their workers. And uh, so 
The discrimination is an organized boycott. You think, oh, they couldn't do it to you. Come on. They can do it to any business they want. Next time there's an issue over what the definition of marriage is, sign your business name to the petition that you believe in traditional marriage and see how many people are going to raise a stink about your business. You remember in Leatherby's? It's an ice cream place in Sacramento. I think they're Catholic people. They, they, uh, they did something regarding the marriage proposition in California, which, by the way, passed twice. The people passed it twice, and it got defeated twice by, uh, by liberal judges, right? Discrimination against Chick-fil-A has reached unprecedented levels in recent months with universities and airports seeking uh, to ban the fast food chain from doing business due to the founder's biblical worldview on human sexuality. So if I don't believe that you can screw a horse— then they can boycott me. That's what this is saying. That's a biblical worldview is don't have sex with little kids. Don't have sex with uh, different, uh, the same gender. Uh, don't have sex with other people's women or other people's men, right? Adultery. It, it, it's not just against homosexuals. It's against all kinds of out of, out of, the, uh, out of the correct lane sex. So let me read this again. They're trying to ban this business from all kinds of locations, cities, universities, airports, etc. Due, due to their belief the, that of a biblical worldview on human sexuality. I want you to let that sink in. It doesn't say that they won't serve homosexuals or people that screw horses and sheep. And puppies. They're not saying that. They'll serve anybody. What they're saying is, they, as a, the leaders of the company, the owners say, we, we believe the Bible. We love Jesus. That's what they're saying. And now they're saying, if you say that, we're going to try to put your business out of business. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened. There's a book, and I can't quote it to you. I have it on my bookshelf, but I, it was never a put out to be a real bestseller, but it's a great book on early, early colonial America. And it talks about Arthur. Oh, what's the other? That's the Tappan brothers. Uh, I can't remember the other one's name, but I'll come to me. The Tappan brothers were very successful Northern uh, businessmen. And because of their strong stance against slavery, they're Christians because of their strong stance against slavery and trafficking of people and on abortion and things like that, uh, they had this kind of boycott. It had nothing to do with sexuality. It had this kind of boycott in the United States against them from state to state and tried to bankrupt their business. In fact, one of them had, they even burned his house down. I mean, the, the early America was gnarly, man. You think it was easy and all loving Jesus and everything. They had a couple of great awakenings. They call them great awakenings, huge revivals, people, 50,000 people get saved in a city overnight, but they had some gnarly, gnarly people. Uh, a dean at Ryder University, R-I-D-E-R, resigned from his post recently when the school banned the first, the fast food, they banned Chick-fil-A. And the dean at Ryder University resigned his post. Thank God for him. Uh, the chain um, has in 2019 has been banned from San Antonio and Buffalo airports and several universities. 
To pervert further discrimination of Chick-fil-A, the Texas House of Representatives recently passed a Save Chick-fil-A bill to prevent San Antonio Airport and other venues in the state from banning restaurants. As noted in the Daily Wire, uh, the chicken giant Chick-fil-A continues to thrive in spite of the boycotts. Becoming, it's now the third largest fast food chain in the United States with $10.2 billion in sales a year. I wish, in fact, I may contact Chick-fil-A and I may see if they'll come down here and take over Popeye's restaurant, which is a, looks like a piece of crap and the city of Marysville participating in it, not helping us out at all and take over that. But I don't think it's actually, I don't think it's a big enough building and I don't think it's a big enough parking lot. When Popeye's was there the first few months, they darn near blocked Highway 20. So many people wanted to eat Popeye's chicken, and that chicken wasn't even that good. Uh, after I ate it, it keep reminding me that I ate some Popeye's chicken. That's a bad sign right there if it keeps reminding you, reminding you just ate lots of chicken. Chick-fil-A. I, play, I just pray that the God blesses those guys, and and I'm telling you, if you ever think that somehow the— uh, this LGBTQXYZMOP, that group is cool and peaceful and not violent. Oh, come on. They're all about love and monogamy. You are just smoking the funny stuff. That's what you're doing out there. You, you don't quite get it. Oh, by the way, I was thinking about having my friend back who's, who used to live on the border and used to smuggle people across the border because I just read this article. Amazing. Just saying, ah, oh, the liberals say there's such a thing, such a thing as buying children and, and using them and to cross the border right here. Now, all of a sudden, the press is Mexico confirms Mexico confirms Mexico confirms illegals trying to buy children to cross the border happens all the time. It happens all the time. I in early August, I'm going to have a couple of guys that are involved in the busting of sex or not sex traffickers and also human traffickers, and we'll just see if we can just blow your hair back a little bit in early August. I tried to get them on earlier, but they're busy. They said, "Lou, give us the first show in early August, and we will tell you what's going on." So uh, anyway, Mexico verifying claims by U.S. border authorities that some illegal immigrants are using children who aren't their own to try to enter the United States. I told you this. It, it's not that I knew it and no one else did. Lots of people know it. It's just that Americans are being stupid about it. And their politicians that are liberals are liars there. I don't know whether there's one honest Democrat in the gr a group. And there's a bunch of Republicans that are liars as well, by the way. I'm not no dyed-in-the-wool Republican. A lot of them are jerks and perverts themselves. So my friend, I had her on a, a year ago, and she said they're using children. They aren't even their own children. They're using them to get through the loopholes in the United States. I'm going to tell you what those loopholes in a minute. They're, they're terrible loopholes that are putting our Border Patrol at risk. So now the Mexican authorities have come forward to assert that illegal immigrants in Tijuana are preying on vulnerable single mothers in shelters by suggesting they sell their children to them. How much do you think a kid's worth? Would you kill a kid and eat him? Kill him and eat him if you were hungry enough? They did the Donner Party, ate people, they say. Chinese eat people. 
Why wouldn't we eat people? We, we worship a demon here in Marysville. We kill kids all over the place. They arrange for abortions right over here in Yuba City. Did you know that? On Polaris, or you can go get yourself an abortion over there if you want. Go kill a baby. Go try one. Maybe if you never did it, you should go cry one. Uh, so adding that men have offered roughly $350 to buy a child at Iglesia Embajadores de Jesus shelter. There's a shelter. Christians are running shelters. You know the Catholic Church? And the Lutheran churches are making millions of dollars off this immigration fiasco. They are cashing in, baby. They're molesting those kids, those Catholics, and, and plus they're cashing in. Iglesia, Embara, Iglesia means church, Embarajadores de Jesus of Jesus, shelter. And, and the lady that's running that place down there, she said they want to rob our kids so they can cross into the United States. Pastor Gustavo Banda who supervises this place, the shelter. Uh, he says, I secure it with a chain link fence at night. These are cases of desperation, he said. Of course, the women have not accepted any of these offers. Yes, they have. He doesn't know all the situations, but they clearly this is a huge concern because the danger to servant, to, to uh, children. When Remember Kirsten Nielsen, who served under Barack Obama, had a Homeland Security, and then she continued under uh, Trump. When she served as the Secretary Homeland Security, she was slammed in the media for acknowledging the reality that people were selling their children. And uh, she told this to the uh, the National Sheriff's Association meeting. And, and I'm going to tell you the rest of the story about it when you get back because maybe you will start to, like, take off the blinders and pay attention for a second and get on the right page. So we, we're, uh, I think we're finished with our fourth section. We're going to do our fifth section here, and uh, I'm going to play you a clip. Oh, maybe it's our last section. It says, this is the enemy, and we'll, we'll be right back, and we'll wrap this thing up. Well, it's knowing that your door is always open, and your path is free to walk. Hi, I'm David Barton of Wall Builders. Wall Builders is an organization dedicated to presenting America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our moral and our religious and our constitutional foundations. We have here a library of some 100,000 originals or copies of original documents, such as this very interesting World War II poster we just obtained. This is a poster printed by the U.S. government to raise money for the war effort to defeat the Nazi and the Axis powers. Now, look at this poster. It's a Nazi hand stabbing the Bible, and the caption says, This is the enemy. Wow. This is a clear message from the federal government. The Bible and what it stands for is under attack. We have to stand up and push back. This is amazing, especially considering where we find ourselves today. The president behind all of this was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The message in this poster he had been delivering to Americans for years. For example, in 1940, as the Nazi wave was beginning to sweep across Europe, President Roosevelt reminded Americans, 
if the Spirit of God is not in us, and if we will not prepare to give all that we have and all that we are to preserve Christian civilization in our land, we shall go to destruction. A month later at Madison Square Garden, he told the assembled crowd, we guard against the forces of anti-Christian aggression which may attack us from without and the forces of ignorance and fear which may corrupt us from within. Six months later, he reaffirmed that the conflict raging in Europe was one between Christianity and its opponents and that America would stand on the side of Christianity and the Bible. Today, the whole world is divided divided between human slavery and human freedom, between the pagan brutality and the Christian ideal. We choose human freedom, which is the Christian ideal. And shortly after America entered World War II, President Roosevelt told Congress, The world is too small to provide adequate living room for both Hitler and God. In proof of that, the Nazis have now announced their plan for enforcing their new German pagan religion all over the world the plan by which the Holy Bible and the Cross of Mercy would be displaced by Mein Kampf and the swastika and the naked sword. And there were other similar speeches. So this poster is simply a portrayal of what President Roosevelt had been reminding Americans for year after year in speech after speech. And while we're here in the library, let me show you some other World War II posters also printed by the federal government. For example, here's one about peace and security, and it shows the three wise men at the birth of Christ. This one is built around preserving our religious liberties. And then look at this one. It has a quotation from a speech given by President Roosevelt's Vice President, Henry Wallace. It says, Strong in the strength of the Lord, we who fight in the people's cause will never stop until that cause is won. And here's one with a picture of President Roosevelt with a family gathered together beside a cross. Then look at this one. It has a direct quote from the Lord's prayers taught by Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 6:13. It says, "Deliver us from evil." There were other posters as well, and we have these and other posters on our website. These posters certainly show us much about America's religious heritage and how far from it we've moved in recent years. If you want to support Wall Builders' efforts to present our forgotten history and heroes and to preserve our moral, religious, and constitutional heritage, then go to www.wallbuilders.com. Essentially, transgender ideology holds that people can be born into the wrong body. It's simply not true. Human sexuality is binary. Okay, we know this because in nature, reproduction is the rule, and human beings uh, we engage in sexual reproduction. You need a man and a woman to do that. Women are XX. Those are the sex chromosomes. Women have two X, Xs. Men have an X and a Y. Those are genetic markers. They're genetic markers for female and male, respectively. 
Okay, binary, that's the rule and it's self-evident. Transgender, someone who identifies as transgender, however, that's not a problem in their body. Gender identity, all identities, they're in our thoughts. Thoughts and feelings, those are not hardwired, they develop, and they may be factually wrong or factually correct. Uh, the definition of a delusion is a fixed false belief. So if I persistently, consistently insist that I am Margaret Thatcher, or persistently, consistently insist that I am a cat, or uh, I'm an amputee trapped in a normal body, I am delusional. And in fact, there are people who believe they are amputees trapped in a normal body. They are appropriately diagnosed as having body identity integrity disorder. If you want to cut off an arm or a leg, you're mentally ill. But if, but if you want to cut off healthy, healthy breasts and genitals, oh, then you're transgender and you don't have a mental illness. Individuals with disorders of sex development are being used as pawns in the fight for um, basically a civil right to a mental illness. There's no such thing as a civil right to a mental illness, but that is in fact what we are dealing with, with the transgender rights movement. Well, it's not always raining, there'll be days like this. When there's no one complaining, there'll be days like this. When everything falls into place, that the flick of a switch. Oh, my mama told me. There'll be days like this. All right, I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that clip. And uh, I out of the uh, barbecue today, earlier today, uh, as I mentioned, I'm recording this on the 4th for the 6th. I was uh, chatting with uh, Dave Greenitz of Greenitz Construction. And he was telling me, he said, Lou, we are so busy. We got seven guys working furiously running re separate remodel projects because they all kind of manage projects. And uh, anyway, so things are going great, and we were talking about the construction business. And so uh, he is uh, one of our main supporters. You can reach him at 530-682-9602. It's interesting because you can hire all kinds of people to do work for you and be disappointed, Right. And somebody said, oh, yeah, my, my cousin, I see people post stuff. Hey, I want to remodel my bathroom. Who all knows a person? Oh, yeah, my, my brother, he painted his own place. <laughs> he painted his bathroom. He, he put in a sink once. And uh, listen, that's not what we get here. This is, uh, if you want the best, if you want the, the very best, I mean, when, you, when it's done, you're going to think, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm living in this house. I never thought I could have something this nice, right? So, you know, it's like you can move into a house. It's an older house, but uh, maybe it's better to hold on to your house and just, like, remodel it, bring it up to date, right? And the key, th the key rooms, they tell me, people that are smart, they say kitchens and bathrooms, the key room, the entryway, right? Maybe put a deck on. So uh, these guys at Greenest Construction, they're so good. Like a lot of times, people take your money and you never hear from them again. They're not hoping for a referral. They never ask for a referral. They're out of town. Take your money and run, right? They don't take photos of the job because they're not proud of it. But you know when people take photos of the job, put it on the whole world to see, put it on the world wide web so people in all over the world can look and see how good your kitchen looks or your bath before and after. 
Sometimes the before pictures are a little gnarly. But you see the after, you think, ooh, wow, that is amazing right there, right? Colors, tile, lighting, tricky stuff, really good work. I know I know a lot of the, uh, personally know some of the subcontractors are amazing, totally do great work. They're like, they're not starting out. They're not practicing, you know. They're not practicing on your project. They're like, they got it. They're, they're like aces. They're like, t- do a 10. So, you know, if, if you're like wanting to spend some money and really do it right, instead of doing a half-baked job, you ever had a half-baked job? Yeah, I've had that. Just throw something together. doesn't work. Things, things leak, break down. Oh, make some stupid choice. Spend a lot of money. So you can you can check out Greenitz Construction at greenitzconstruction.com. Check out all their stuff or go on their Facebook site, Dave Greenitz Construction. And uh, green with ETZ on the end. And you can check out the before and afters. Like, look for yourself. You don't even have to go tour any house. Oh, can I see a job you did? Just look at it on the Internet. You don't even have to contact them. You can just do a sneak up. Put your moccasins on. Just sneak up. And uh, then you could give them a, if you're too intimidated, you, you know, you're a millennial, you can't, you've never learned how to have like a conversation. You can like <clears throat> text them and uh, email and give them a shout out that way before you actually, you know, maybe you have to take a Norco or something or a Xanax to calm down before you meet them, have actually a public exchange. So a greenest construction, one, one thing you're going to get is you're going to end up with something you want to, you think, oh, we got to move to another state. Oh, can we take our bathroom with us? Can we take our kitchen with us? Like, I don't want to leave because of the kitchen, right? That's how good it is. So give them a shout out, 530-682-9602. The heat's cranking up. I was telling them the other day, I just put my studio over in the coolest room of my house and and uh, right now, PG&E rates are 60% above anywhere in the country, and they bankrupt. They got, they're charging 60% higher, and they're bankrupt. Hold that thought. And so if you want to cut down, you, he also puts in these whole house fans, and it, and it cuts down utility bills and keeps you cooler without running the big unit, right? If you got these houses with that big air conditioning unit that when you crank up, you can, it's like you get dizzy looking at that thing spin on the PG&E meter. Give him a shout out, and uh, the other the other guy I want to give a shout out to is my friend Ted Holmes, Ted Mister Cuba Holmes, the Cuba man. He just got back, and he's got the plumbing doctor. And I always tell you if the if you if the water's running the wrong direction inside your house, call the plumbing doctor. If it's coming at you, you ever been somewhere and you flush the toilet and it comes back at you? Like, oh my God! It's like what's going on? You, try all kinds of gimmicks to keep it from going over the top you've been there i've been there or that when the water's running out it's running people running in areas you don't want it to run in right or the hot water's not working and you'd like to have a hot shower occasionally unless it's 110 degrees in marysville call the plumbing doctor you can call them night or day they'll come over there and fix it make your life happy you got all the relatives coming over that think you're trying to make a big show and everything's plugged up. Trouble. Call the plumbing doctor. 6719111. Like think of 9911, but 5306719111 and tell them 
you heard it on Lou's show, they might give you a little benefit, may give you a little discount. Who knows? Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'll charge you extra if you say it. So you may, may, may want to say, do you know that guy, Lou? Is he okay? They like me. Then say, you know, I actually heard about it over there. They might say, oh, we'll give you a little off. Might work out good. All right. So, uh, I got I got to do this. this we, we haven't got much time, and I got to do an extra podcast. I'm going to be in Vietnam, so, uh, well, I got I got two podcasts to do before next weekend because I got to fly over to Vietnam. But uh, I got to talk about Kamala Harris if I can find this uh, fast. Kamala Harris, did you did you watch the debates? I did not. But I, I watched the meltdown from the debates. And what's it's one thing if you don't agree with the person's perspective. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking at my list here and trying to find I'm trying to find a location on where the Kamala Harris stuff is. It's one thing if you don't like the, the position of a person. What gets me is when they're they're just full blown liars. You know, you just I work with a lot of convicts, and, uh, you know, sometimes they get, they're just conning you, right? They just con you. So uh, I'm, I'm still working my way down here, doggone it. I, so Kamala Harris, you know Kamala Harris, right? She looks black, right? She's not, a, she's not an African-American. Did you know that? She's not black from Africa. She got no heritage back there. Uh, what she's black from is she's East Indian, right? I like to call them Indians, but we got to call them East Indian because people keep calling Native Americans here Indians, right? So um, she keeps she wants to portray herself that she suffered discrimination, and she came from the wrong side of the tracks. But what she does, what she's done, is she screwed her way to the top, right? And uh, she started out and uh, screwed. Now, I want you to just think of the character of a person. Forget all the whether you like her or not. You may really like her, but when you hook up with a person, a guy or a gal who's been in the business of cheating on his others on her spouse or cheating on with somebody else's spouse. That caught, that must that gives you should have some pause there. So Willie Brown, the mayor of San Francisco at the time, or maybe he was over being the speaker of the assembly. He'd been married to the same woman for decades, right? But she's been she's screwing Willie Brown, and he's appointing mm-hmm. her to positions, right? That's how she's getting these positions on these commissions that pay a lot of money in San Francisco. So she screws her way up up the ladder, and she becomes the district attorney of San Francisco. Then she becomes the attorney general. Then she becomes the uh, senator, one of the two senators, U.S. senators from California. So she goes on, and she portrays Joe Biden to be a racist, right, because he hung out and he knew people that that were uh, supposed they liked segregation, Right. So she she calls him out on it and uh, and tried to make a big deal about it. And uh, what she did. Um, hold on here. I'm trying to find this doggone deal. I'm having trouble here all of a sudden. Uh, 
so she started to portray herself as it said she suffered in the segregation thing and when she was raised now <clears throat> you remember if you got any years on you that one of the democrat br- brilliant things was that w- what we needed to do it was need to force people to live together right so there was segregation. I remember my brother went to Florida and uh, to, to live and to work down there. And he, he was shocked because they had drinking fountains for whites, drinking fountains for blacks, drink, uh, bathrooms for whites, bathrooms for blacks, places to sit for whites, sit, places to sit, da-da-da. So she went on this thing, and uh, she, she gives a story. Uh, and anyway, it was all based on busing and segregation. And what they, what the, what the, uh, the liberals did was they said, we need to take kids from black communities and ship them to white communities and take kids from white communities and ship them to black communities to force people to go to school together. And somehow that was going to cause all kinds of kids to, because black kids were not thriving in school. So anyway, she gave this narrative the other night, uh, that she was a little girl in California. Now, California was not known for his prejudice or its slavery, or not slavery, but prejudice or its segregation, right? We didn't have that here. She said, I was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate my public school. And she was bused. She's saying that she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me, she said. She tells this little story. But she's a liar because she was born in the 60s and busing was already taking place. Any busing was already it was already taking place. Right. It was a long time before her. And she was not in the second class to integrate her public schools. It's, it's ridiculous. So uh, and the other thing is Kamala Harris's. Uh, parents. One was a Stanford. I don't know whether any of you know. I don't even know anyone that's gone to Stanford University. I've lived in California my whole life. Stanford University is hard to get into unless you're a black person or some kind of a, a gay person, right? Then you get special breaks, maybe even a woman. Stanford Uni- heard one, one parent was a Stanford University professor. And the other parent was a medical researcher. This gal has never seen a poor day in her life. She's never missed a a meal on purpose in her life. School segregation in California was due to housing patterns that had nothing to do with with prejudice or racism. And it had nothing to do with trying to keep races apart. Uh, Everyone in the Bay Area was fine with racial people living where they wanted to live if you'll notice people naturally lived in areas i've even had christians say to me why don't we all get a subdivision and all live in that subdivision together i think i don't want to live with a bunch of christians i like the mixed i like drama i like some drama around me the new york times felt free to headline a maureen dowd column on the matter says camilla shotguns joe six-pack camilla harris is a full-blown adulterer and liar. Now, 
the millennials don't get it because they don't even understand busing, nor do they understand the, the whole civil rights issue. They believe the crap that the liberals say that it was all a big Republican problem. They don't, the millennials don't recall the, the social uproar that, that busing people caused. And uh, the, black, the, the whole thing was to benefit black kids, right? It was a social engineering project never before seen in the United States of America, moving millions of children miles away from where they live to attend a school just to achieve some sort of professor's fantasy. Harvard professor Dr. James Coleman came up with this idea that it was going to be necessary to move children back and forth so black children could sit next to white children. I don't know whether they're going to get in, more intelligent by osmosis. And what kind of what kind of commentary is that on black about black children not wanting to sit next to other black children or black children being taught by black teachers? That's a part of the racism of the Democrat Party. A teacher is a bad teacher, regardless of the flavor they are. If a teacher's bad teacher, it had nothing to do with the flavor they are. Just they're a bad teacher. So this crazy thing of busing, they got kids up early. They were away from their parents longer, more hours a day. They arrived home late. They got up early just to go to a, a school that was way on the other side of town. And so uh, it just pissed people off, white people particularly. And I don't even know whether black people liked it. It never worked. It could never work. It's a typical government boondoggle scheme. They come up with these crackpot ideas all the time. This theory behind busing was at odds with reality, which is often the case with federal schemes to lift people up. Uh, there was never any showing made about the educational efficacy of busing. In other words, nobody ever did any research to say, oh, we all these black kids are all of a sudden brilliant and are qualifying for Stanford now. The inference was X number of white faces plus Y number of black faces was good in itself, just having them together. The rest would all be a blessing. So uh, the downside was kids arrived, had to leave home really early. They arrived home late. Black, the black-white learning gap remained about where it had been prior to busing. Federal judges, federal judges, this is the same federal judges that are getting involved, involved in the homeless situation. Same, same federal judges that are blocking the President of the United States from keeping terrorists out of the country. Federal judges who ordered busing operated on the assumption you could lead a horse to water and make him drink. These people are absolute idiots, federal judges. They, they are absolute idiots. Just because you put a black robe and a guy can do the law does not mean that he, he has the wisdom of Solomon. He doesn't. Parents with enough wherewithal, that means parents that could resist, were chiefly white people. And they moved to areas that didn't bus. That's what they did. And they put their, and, and they put their kids in private schools. And uh, so the white faces that were really desired by the federal judiciary for educational purpose vanished from the public schools in urban areas. 
people leave, just like the El Salvadoran president say, when people don't like the way things are going, they're leaving. That's the way I, we have young people at Glad Tidings, Church of Glad Tidings, young couples that are moving out of the area. Why? They're pissed off. They don't like the way things are going, and they're not going to—they don't have to—right now, the government—we don't live under a totalitarian government, and, and the, so they're not being held here. So in Dallas, where before busing, two-thirds of pupils were white, the figure now is 5.1%. It went from two-thirds of pupil to 5.5% in these some areas. They just said, you know, if, if you're going to do this, this is stupid— it, now it's against the law, so we'll just take our kids out and do something else. Many of you need to take your kids out because of the sex education that's being foisted upon you by the State Department of Education. They're going to teach your kids that they may not be male or female. They may be something in between and like they need to experiment. Uh, or they're going to teach them about fisting and all kinds of sexual deviant behavior. And the best thing you can do is pull your kids out. So do we make any progress? We spent hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe billions of dollars, moving kids around for a social experience. Do you think the Nazis were the only ones that did social engineering experiments on, on Jews? No, we've been doing it on, on our own people. Stupid stuff. Absolutely not. no proof that it was going to do any good. And federal judges step in and say, this is what's going to happen. Screw the federal judges. I think screw this federal judge that came up with this stupid homeless deal. People made by God, living out, sleeping on the asphalt, totally under the influence of alcohol and drugs, and somehow that's compassion. That's crazy. So uh, we're going to call it a day. I think I've done all my shifts here. I've done all my clips. All right, we're going to call it a day. So uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, and... Uh, and the week after and the week after. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you find somebody this week that you don't know, be kind to them because the Bible says uh, sometimes we meet people that we don't know, and you may be ma meeting an angel and you're not aware of it. So be kind to people. All right. We'll see you later. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois law enforcement community. We'll join to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show.